The Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top five lightweight winning streaks in MMA with special guest Matthew Wells. We went all over the space-time continuum for this one, folks. Strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man From a white oak tree People sitting on porches Thinking how things used to be Dark night It's a dark night Dark Up, you savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week at MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA, and when we're not doing our breakdown shows, we are doing top five shows where we revisit history and appreciate it in this fast world of MMA. And of course, I always have a co-host to help me on these episodes. Thankfully today, I have an old friend, a returning co-host, that is Matthew Wells, at Mr. M. Wells Art. That's right, from the Slip and Dip Podcast, which you can also follow at Slip and Dip Podcast on Twitter. Matt, what's up, dude? Man, man, it's amazing. It's always a good time to spend some time with you, my man. Thank you for inviting me back on your program. It's always a fun time. I always get to... Go deep, man. Go deep into the depths of MMA history. <laughs> it's some hipster picks on these lists, man. I can't wait to see where this one takes us. That's right. That's right. Uh, and I didn't uh, introduce it off the top. Uh, I'm sure you read it on the title. We are doing top five lightweight winning streaks. So, um, you know, there's no rules. We'll, we'll get some, we get random topics from time to time. But, yes, it's no coincidence the lightweight division is in full effect right now. So why not capitalize it and let's, let's, let's remind people of, of this division's deep history, right? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Like you said, man, this is the, the premier division in all of mixed martial arts. I mean, you know, some guys like the big boys. Some guys, a very small subset of guys like the smaller guys. But this is that sweet spot right in the middle. Where the guys seem to just have the higher skill level. These are the most relatable guys. You know, the guys mm-hmm. that are like the average size dude that you run into when you, you know, you're out, out and about. And uh, yeah, it's it's amazing what these guys are able to do, man. Not only currently, but in years past too. And it's and it's ironic. Uh, we'll definitely you know uh, dive dive deeper dive deeper here in a little bit. But it's ironic because, like you said. For, for the reasons of physics and where our kind of bodies fall, it's obviously the most populated division, not by coincidence. And by the same virtue, its depth makes winning streaks really hard to come by. So it, it, it <sighs> you can have, you know, a three-fight winning streak of five to something higher, and they're really all impressive depending, you know, when as we will get into the layers of the layers of the winning streak. So it, it's a really funny one. And this podcast, by the way, kind of really felt like the lightweight division because not only is it hard to have winning streaks – that drama almost uh, travels, so it's hard to, to have champions, right? All the way back to the beginning from the incarnation, there was three failed attempts um, and, uh, you know, until the UFC was finally able to get an actual person they could call champion, and that even gets kind of drama-filled. We'll, we'll get into that later. And then, you know, to, to today, where, where the, the whole Khabib and Tony, uh, you know, and, and intern titles and Connor and this whole mm. lovely debacle that's going on, this podcast kind of felt like that because... Uh, I was falling apart over on my end. I was, 
I was having some <laughs> Skype issues and a normal podcast or stuff that every podcaster listening right now goes, oh, brother. Putting, putting, they're putting the shoulder on my invisible, you know, through the through the microphone right now. Matt, go, oh brother, I feel your pain. Oh yeah, uh, Matt, oh, Matt, Matt, Matt did. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Thankfully, you, you uh, thankfully, uh, that's a good thing about podcasting with friends. We we, we figured we just uh, got caffeinated and threw on some Invicta fights. Which backdrop, guys? We're actually watching the main event right now of Invicta FC thirty one. Mm-hmm. Was it round one? It's finished. It's fun, some fun fights right now. Yeah, it looks like Jen- Jenny Droba might have took that first round. But, oh yeah, uh, for sure. But yeah, Smash. yeah, top top position and just smashing away. I- I'm familiar with with her, but I- I'm self admittedly not familiar with uh, Morandine. I'm not even sure if I'm, I'm pronouncing that correctly. Are you familiar with? Yeah, her? I- I- I've seen both of their names before, but I haven't really seen any of their fights. You know, if, if it's lately for me, if it's not UFC, I probably haven't seen it unless it was something spectacular. You know, it's just. Just the way it's been going the past few months, unfortunately, but it is what it is. <laughs> Dude, no kidding. I mean, that uh, perfect segue there because you know it's we're, we're getting you know bombarded with MMA, and a lot of it's good MMA too, which is the troubling part. Uh, you know that that's the whole argument for oversaturation is even when we are getting good stuff, it's almost that much stronger against the argument because we're not able to give it its due. Um, just, just a real quick thing, and me and you both on, on the same page, Matt. We didn't really get to watch a lot of these events. But we had a PFL 7 happen this week. Uh, Cage Warriors 96 happened earlier today. I caught some highlights and, and the last match. Uh, I don't know if you caught any of the highlights from Cage Warriors. No, man. Uh, we're actually, you know, we're, we're preparing to move into a house on Tuesday. So we're out, we're out doing, like, shopping and stuff all day oh, long. Yeah, so right, yeah. I was trying to keep on Twitter. But once we got into the, hey, this is what we're going to get kind of thing, it was like, all right, I got to put the Twitter down. And <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen any of it just yet. But I'm, I'm definitely going to catch up at some point before I go to sleep tonight. Yeah, yeah, there's some uh, definitely some cool stuff there, and then of course we got Invicta FC 31, and I'm sure I'm forgetting like a whole bunch of like regional shows. <laughs> so I apologize, anybody yeah. screaming at the other end of the microphone um, with their phones. <laughs> but but yeah, and then and then of course we're coming off of uh, UFC Lincoln, which was fun, a little break, and we had a break, uh, a weekend break, and now we're heading into UFC 228, which just came came up fast, didn't it, Matt? Yeah, it's. I mean, well. Maybe I mean it seems like it's been forever for me because like I've been I've had my eye on this like ever since they announced it so I've literally been counting down the days I'm like yes another event in my hometown I don't have to fly anywhere I don't have to book a hotel I can just get on the tollway and drive 15 minutes south and I'm there so it's it's good times for me I can't wait till next Saturday yeah true or if you follow Tyron Woodley uh you know he's getting he's getting into camp and announcing his 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 intentions before these these fights are announced which good on him but uh. You know, he, he, he when he when he sets a date like that, he's got a, his plan of attack. You know, he's gonna he's gonna st- he's gonna stick by it, and uh, and yeah, I think he's marked that out for a minute. So yeah, it's it's gonna be incredible, man. And of course, fight actually UFC 228 fight we started for me today because, as you know, with like the media days and stuff, the UFC doesn't invite everyone on the card for media right, days. So right, right, right. is one of those fighters that wasn't invited to media day, so. Him and his manager put together their own thing today. And uh, me and Kendrick Johnson, my co-host on Slipping Dip Podcast as well, we went out there. And uh, there's a, um, a couple of people out there for a little media day and open workout thing. It was, it was pretty cool. And uh, the De La Rosas were there as well. And they did a little workout and actually did like a little coaching for uh, some or like a small class of like 10 to 15 people out there too. So it was pretty cool. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And by the way, for, for listeners or people that maybe just aren't familiar 
Um, Matt's based out of uh, out of Texas, Dallas, Texas. There, so yes. uh, when he has a, says his eye out, I mean, uh, it's for a lot of these Dallas cards. Which, let's be honest, you're getting, you've been, uh, you know, I'm sure you can do the recap, probably pull it off the top of your head, right? You guys always get great cards there uh, for people that obviously follow Seriously. the sport. Know that that they come big. The UFC usually delivers. Yeah, one UFC 185, UFC 211, the most recent ones, and then of course you know you had Hendricks and Lawler. I believe before that, I forget yeah. which number that was. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, I mean just 185 and 211 on themselves, both two championship cards. Both well, 185 was two and news. Uh, 211 was two and stills, but both incredible fight cards through and through. So it's all like you said, man. It's always fireworks, and I can't wait for this one too. It's going to be more of the same. Dude, I'm stoked. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be listening to uh, to, to your, your podcast, Slipping Dip Podcast, by the way, uh, after to see what, what, what tidbits you came away with from that fight week, man. For sure, man. It's going to be it's going to be incredible, man. I plan on spending a lot of time at the Fighter Hotel. I know where everybody's going to be, so <laughs> I'm going to be hanging around, and trying to get some tidbits, some you know, some behind the scenes action going on. So we'll see what happens. A lot of stuff on tap, and you know, I'm supposed to be hanging out with Dean Thomas a little bit. So can't wait for to see what we all get this week, man. It's gonna Not, be fun. Nice. I love I love when Dean pops up on your show. By the way, too, he's always he's always a good interview. <laughs> yeah, he's good people, man. He's good people. He always keeps it real too. That's what I like about him. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's for sure. And and, and you know, for people that don't know, a lot of fans kind of I think catch wind of this hanging out at the fighter hotels too. Uh, oh, it looks like yep, Jenny Droba got the win by submission, second round, retains the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. But yeah, uh, you know, real know that you know at that fighter hotel, it's funny, man. I I I don't cover very many of these shows at all, obviously uh, live. You know, if I'm in town or, or whatnot, but you just hang around the fighter hotel. It's just a weird kind of multi-reality. You just see guys strolling in, you know, like when I was in New York, yeah. just seeing cowboy rolling in with a cowboy hat and Brian Ortega, or like, or when I can't I can't remember who which 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 who was it? Was it I forget uh, when I. I think it was Junior Dosan or somebody. I told it on this podcast, and I've already forgot when I was doing a pizza delivery to the road show. It was just like a UFC heavyweight standing there, and just it's like, man, I hope this guy doesn't jack me for my pizza right now because if he wanted it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to say no. I could be like, no. <laughs> like, what am I gonna do? Like, back it up? <laughs> you know, like right. It's but, crazy, man. Like, like you're saying, it's like you know, not only like I remember last time they were here in particular. I mean, but the same way, like out, when you're out in Vegas, it's kind of tougher because Vegas there's more spaces for them to spread out. But mm-hmm. when you go to a city that's got you know, only a few spots. Like, yeah, you roll to the fighter hotel, man. It's like you get transformed into literally an MMA world where it's like you turn your head and there's all these guys you see on TV, you know, so-and-so behind the scenes, people, you know, fighters, like ring girls, whatever. They're all yeah. just hanging out. It's yep. like, wow, this is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But yeah, it's, it's always a good time. You know, it, it's definitely kind of weird though. When you see the people that don't know how to act, there's definitely those people there. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know it, it, in retrospect, it, yeah, in retrospect, especially if, if you can go to these big fight cards. I mean, even when you know both of us, I, I would say, you know, fair to say, when we started covering um, this game, so to speak, it was the Conor McGregor era. A lot of these big Vegas shows, right? Where it would be my backyard. Mm-hmm. You would make the tre- trek up from Texas. But now, in retrospect, you know, and not that anybody was taking it for granted, so to speak, but we speak on that as a pastime now. Oh, remember the McGregor shows and the crazy Irishman on the top of the, you know, yeah. everybody there has their own has their own tail and take on it, right? You know, they speak of it yes. as some some oh. some event. So if if you can, people, just whether you're a media aspiring media or or just fans, you know, and again, like Matt said, handle the, handle yourself right, no matter your role. But I suggest you do it. Get you know, get out there. 
Yeah, man. It's crazy. Like, especially like with us in the MMA latest days, man, it was like perfect time to like start covering these events because that was the Conor McGregor wave. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think we're ever going to see anything like that again anytime soon. And it was just like, like I was reflecting on it the other day with Kendrick. I'm like, man, really got in the game at like the perfect time because we saw some of the wildest stuff, like not only inside the cage, but outside of the cage as well. And all the hoopla surrounding all these events, man, like, yeah, Conor McGregor fought Floyd Mayweather. We're not going to see that something like that ever insane come to fruition again anytime soon. It's just madness. Well, yeah, and and, and you look at the mile markers in the sport, like you said. I mean, you know, they're they're you know, obviously the the beginning of the sport, but as far as popularity, when you get the popularity realm, it was what Chuck. It was like what Chuck and Tito kind of you know those things, yeah. and then then that kind of parlayed into the tough. Uh, the tough explosion, right? Where now you're on TV and that saved it. You have that realm, and then what? It's it's the golden era that they were. That's often tied into with the Brock Lesnar uh, being in, yes. involved in the sport, and then yeah, Ronda, and then Connor. You know, I mean, these mile markers. There's not a lot of them, right? And they're all over the fucking place. There was a, a heavyweight, sure. uh, a female bantamweight. I mean, it's hard to predict where <laughs> these these mile markers are going to pop up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's there's quite a few of them, like you said. Like they all hover around like those superstar names that you mentioned, and each one has their own different thing. You know, with Brock being the being the pro wrestler, the massive pro wrestler coming over, just dominating, and Ronda, of course, leading the women's charge, and Connor just leading the madness. Like I don't even know how to categorize his because <laughs> yes. it's just un- unbelievable things that happen, man. You keep going back to that. I keep going back to that Floyd fight. It's just like. As I was watching that, as they were walking to the boxing ring, I was like, I kept telling myself, this is actually happening. This is actually happening. Okay, round one is, it, it's happening. Like, what, what? What? Conor McGregor is boxing Floyd Mayweather, and this is real life. <laughs> and I think, I no. think, especially people like us, if you have, like, a healthy, you know, perspective where you're not, you know, you're, you, know you, you, you follow the sport long enough, you know, not to count on things till they actually happen. And uh, so if you have that attitude, I think it almost kind of ends up hitting you double in the face. But, but but hey man, speaking of, there are going to be actually some some lightweight milestones that are aren't in, involved with uh, with Connor and, and Connor may come up. Uh, well, maybe, maybe not. But as far as history and lineal history goes, I think we're going to hit on a lot of these topics with this list. But I just want to get one more shout out before we jump into this list, Matt. I want to shout out the MMA betting sharks. Uh, mm. You know the, uh, the group uh, group I'm on uh, Facebook been on for a minute. Just just a bunch of group a bunch of degenerate gamblers who we're all kind of. Like-minded dudes. I just wanted to shout out uh, Sh- Sharif and the guys, uh, uh, Mitch and the guys, guys from there. They're all a really su- uh, supportive community, and they let me post uh, this crazy podcast here for whatever reason. So thank you guys, and uh, you can follow them on, on Facebook and on Twitter. I think you just search MMA Betting Sharks, and they should pop up. I just wanted to give them a shout. I might give them one in the last last episode. I forgot to. I also forgot to give my man John John Rico, a longtime listener, which. But we'll bring him back up because he submitted a top five list, as you can if you follow the podcast at the PYN Podcast. That goes for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can always submit your top fives there. I uh, just wanted to give those shout-outs before we get started. All right, man. All right. Let, 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 let's, get it, let, let's get into this, man. My gloves are, are – I don't know if I'm putting the gloves on or the gloves off. I'm putting the gloves on because we're, we're digging deep. We're not fighting each other. It's not like I'm slapping you like some French duel here. Um, there's no wrong answers. Again, something me and Matt were talking about. A lot of time the, with these lists, and maybe the ones with these uh, that are titled like this uh, are, are probably more uh, vulnerable to it. But a lot of people take the top five lists literally, and like mm-hmm. by the numbers. Like, well, what is the very best? Let's go by the numbers. Well, no, he's the best. If you look at this, if we did that, 
it would a it wouldn't be as, as fun, and b we we don't come up with the same list. So what the fuck's the point? These are <laughs> these are subject these are very subjective lists, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, they're subjective lists. It's your top five, you know. So that's why I always encourage for you guys to submit yours, and and that's why I, I give it some shine here. And it's something that I think I'm gonna uh, be reiterating more because um, eh, I, I can kind of tip my hand now. I've been hinting at it for a minute, but uh. I, uh, if you saw on Twitter announced I recorded some video projects, some new segments. As you know, a lot of the MMA media, everybody's restructuring across the board. It's no secret. You know, it, that's what it feels like it's doing. And Junkie's doing the same. You know, we, we've had some some sweet uh, some some sweet uh, new video segments come out. I think Ben Folks was the first to do beer goggles. We're all going to be doing our own version of that. Um, mm. And uh, one of the one of the things uh, was it, I'm actually being able to bring this top five uh, over to Junkie. I'm be recording a truncated version, which I already recorded of my top five list. We did uh, welterweight wars, which would be perfect timing uh, for you know uh, Woodley Attil coming out this week. So 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 stay tuned for Junkie for that and another uh, video project, which I won't say. We'll let that we'll let that uh, come out come out on its own. Um, but but yeah, so you guys are going to be seeing a lot more of those. But for the top five, it's nice. Um, I, I, I'm essentially just going to be recording a truncated version. And uh, but but yeah, I, I, I can already see it. A lot of people are going to be like, hey, "That's not my top five. Like, that's fine, you know." So I think for this next video, I'm going to make a mental note and announce it now. <laughs> I'm going to encourage people to to comment that, that, that the same rule for this podcast will apply for the videos you will see on MMA Junkie. Yes, yes. I not only can you, I encourage you comment your own uh, on the video below. <laughs> Yeah, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to all that good stuff, man. I like it when when uh, outlets, especially like guys like the Junkie and, you know, fighting whoever it may be, you know, do something a little bit unorthodox, go a little bit, you know, experiment a little bit. Yeah. You know? So I'm looking forward to to this new to these new series of videos that you guys have been working on, man. Yeah. And again, you know, it, we're all competitors, but at the same time, I, people who listen to this podcast know, surprise, surprise, Dan Tom's not that that kind of a guy as far as uh, being competitive. I got love for all the other outlets and all our, our comrades who uh, comrades in arms in that respect. And yeah, like even even fighting, I'm, I'm stoked that, you know, with the shifting that they had there, everybody not only did their shift, but they're making it their own, you know, and, and I like seeing that creativity. And I know obviously, you know, your, your Twitter handle, your Twiddle handle, your Twiddle, ah, your Twitter handle has art in it. Uh, for people that don't know, you are an artist, so I know you you appreciate that too, right, Matt? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. You know, that's my nine to five. I'm working on art stuff. So it's like, you know, kind of plays into the whole mixed martial arts thing as well. So it's kind of kind of a play on both sides of the fence there, I guess. Well, I like to say you're an artist in one way. Uh, you're an artist in, in, in many. Uh, and I think that's true for, for a lot of people, right? For sure, man. For sure. Well, let's appreciate some more art. Let's get into this list. I think I've said that about the 13th time now, but I mean it this time, folks. <laughs> I actually mean it, you know, and, and, and Dan Tom doesn't have himself to talk to. So, so, so uh, Matt will be keeping me in check here, right, Matt? And we're going to, we're going to get, we're going to get into the, we're going to get into this list, man. Um, do you want to lead off bat or do you want me to lead off, man? We'll switch off in the middle, but we, all right, I'll, I'll go ahead and start it off, man. I'll go ahead and start it off. Cause I, I, I feel you're going to hit me with something right off the bat. That's like way out of left field that I had no idea <laughs> that was even a realm, you know, in the possibility of selections, but I'm gonna, I want to go first, man. Let me let me kick it off, please. All right. So, my first one, man, of five, and I have like, I don't know, ten honorable mentions. So selecting number five was kind of tough, but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and kick it off, man. For my number five, I'm gonna go with Edson Barboza. Nice. All right. Go go ahead. And Edson Barboza's ten and zero run. 
Okay. So his his from his very first professional fight all the way up to his eventual loss to, to Jamie Varner. The reason being is because he came in the game, man. He knocked came into the UFC with his first win by a TKO by leg kicks, which is such a rare thing. And it's not, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like if you chop a dude's legs out from under him to where you can't even walk, like that's just something so nasty, so nasty. And that was his second one in a row. Cause he had one at ring of combat um, as well. That was a TKO by leg kick. So, you know, if you, if you make your way into the UFC by doing that, and then your first win is again, by doing that, it's just like, man, this guy's something special. And then, of course, he goes on Anthony and Jaquani, Ross Pearson. And then, of course, the highlight of all highlights, which you still see everywhere, which, of course, was if you're going to end a win streak, you got to end a win streak. Like, all right, if you know your your next fight's going to be a loss, you might as well have, like, a spectacular highlight. And, of course, the Terry Adam wheel kick. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, like, man. Okay, like, the highlight of all highlights, man. The man. perfect form, just, like, the reaction of the way your opponent falls from that strike. And he just like, you know, just taught how falls over, like just completely like down. It's just like timber. (laughs) It's just like so nasty, so nasty. And of course, like, uh, you know, like I said, he would go on to lose that next fight to end that win streak. But that streak right there for me, like not only just just that highlight of Terry Adam. And then, of course, after that kick, it was like the world was scared. Yeah. Holy shit. Edson Barbosa. It's going (laughs) to. screw up everybody he fights and it was just like you know that that whole momentum train that he was rolling in and uh again like i said that highlight man that highlight will live on forever terry adam will kick you know yeah i think he's he kicked terry adam into like the third season of stranger things it's not even out yet so you know pay attention <laughs> we'll, we'll probably see his face pop up or somewhere in, in the upside down we'll probably finally discover terry adam Dude, uh, that's a real. You know what? I, I'll admit this isn't even. Uh, I'm writing it down and pulling it up uh, as you were speaking, Matt, because this one actually wasn't even on my on my list. I didn't I didn't think about it, but deservedly so for the reasons you said. And even the fight that he lost after that was a classic in itself. That Jamie Varner. I mean, that that was Jamie Varner's best win of his career. I think everybody would agree with that. So you know, and again, a fight. You know, uh, a a fight that you know he. he it, it's hard to say because it was so fast, same with the Cerrone loss, but he, the momentum was on his side early. He was taking it to his opponent early, and mm-hmm. and uh, the, the, the same would happen with his next loss, I believe, which was, yeah, Donald Cerrone. And then, of course, uh, he does lose to Michael Johnson, which was surprising to many. He was the, the favorite, although I did pick Michael Johnson in that fight. Then he doesn't. Then he beats Felder, loses to Ferguson, but again, Ferguson, obviously one of the best lightweights and a tough stylistic matchup. And sure, Barbosa is now coming off of two losses, but I would argue like those are like the two worst matchups in the division for him, Kevin Lee and, and Khabib Nurmagomedov. And uh, okay. you look, he, he was able to come back and hit both guys with spin, spinning head kicks in like the later rounds of that fight after taking a beating. I mean, Edson Barbosa is still a bad man. He is, man. He's a beast. You know, it's just that wrestling game. You know, you get two smothering wrestlers. I mean, of, of guys of names who may or may not pop up on these lists here <laughs> here in a few minutes. But, you know, we'll see where it goes, man. We'll see where it goes. So, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. I, I thought of one that Dan Tom didn't think of. I'm kind of happy about. I got, I got, I got to, I, I got to come <laughs> clean. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm overly honest. If anything on this podcast, but, but yes, I got to come clean on that, man. That was, that was, that was a great pick. Uh, uh, for for uh, that should be more of an obvious one that I would think because he's a current guy and he's a guy who who doesn't know it's a Barbosa but you don't think of that as far as the streak and that's a uh, that, that's a that's a fun streak by the way Barbosa says 
uh, his knockouts in Muay Thai were far more impressive, and those tapes are he had to hide them and take them offline because he wasn't able to book fights early on in his career just because people were looking him up and, and seeing all that sh- that shit. So that's, that's kind amazing. of a scary thought. Um, my, so... I got to go with a, with a hipster pick here on my number five, man. This is <laughs> not a, this is not a very long winning streak. Okay, it's it's only it was only five fights, and it was actually that was longer than I thought it was. I thought it was only maybe three or four, but it's the most unique winning streak. Um, it's a fighter who's not active, but technically the winning streak would be active because he never lost. He actually got a title fight from this winning streak, but for reasons near and dear to Dan Tom's heart, which is probably the reason why he's on, uh, on my number five, TJ Grant suffered from concussion issues that didn't mm. allow him to get his title fight with uh, Anthony Pettis, I believe, was the champion at the time. Would have been a, a very bad matchup. Now, TJ Grant was a guy who started off as a welterweight in the UFC, but I believe was even fighting at higher weights before that because if you look at one of his only two losses before he got to the UFC, it was to Jesse Bongfelt, who, if you remember, uh, fought Chris Weidman back in the day at 185. So, I mean, uh, he was fighting much bigger guys. You know, He he beat Rio Chonin, who upset Anderson Silva at UFC 97, uh, UFC Redemption back in 2008 to make his welterweight debut. TJ Grant did. This is his next fight to Dong Young Kim by decision, but then... Uh, TKO's Kevin Burns at one of my favorite cards, UFC 107 in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, loses a majority decision to Johnny Hendricks at UFC 113. Uh, you know, really close. So I mean, he's a he's a he's a winner. He's kind of win losing, win losing. You know, he beats uh, Julio Paulino, then loses to Ricardo Almeida by decision. So he's in these fights, but he's like, you know what? I got to drop to 155. He beats Shane Roller by technical submission, armbar. Now Shane Roller, Oklahoma State wrestler, was was this was when, when Team Takedown was. Uh, Again, yeah. another Team Takedown guy. A team Takedown second try at him now. So they already had, you know, Johnny Hendricks beat him. So they already had intel on him. And Shane Roller, not as good, obviously. Uh, not as much of a ceiling as Johnny Hendricks. But the guy could could grapple. And um, gets submitted there. Beats Carlo Prater by the unanimous decision. Has one of uh, one of the, my favorite lightweight fights uh, versus Evan Dunham at UFC 152 now. Mm-hmm. I'm biased. So, of course, I think that Dunham won that fight. But Dunham, if you remember, he gets cut <laughs> open really badly in, like, the first round. He's bleeding all over the place. And I think yeah. that ultimately lost him the decision. But Dunham was really close with the strikes and actually was out takedowning TJ Grant. Um uh, which was really impressive considering how TJ Grant it was dangerous, you know, with submissions. But TJ Grant lets everybody know he's he's for real with that fight. Gets the decision, uh, beats Matt Wyman, durable Matt Wyman, uh, who's been around for a while up to this point. Uh, KOs him with elbows and punches, and then of course TKOs Gray Maynard, and is that firestorm of a first round. Everybody remembers that up against one, probably one of the more brutal KOs uh, of Gray Maynard's history. Um, and, and the irony is it's, it's TJ Grant who has the concussion issues and, uh, you know, it ends up, uh, working in a coal mine, I believe last, last week, last we checked on him and doing, you know, I, I believe he's working with fighters again now since then, but man, just Pope, I don't want to say, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm, I'm really trying to pay him homage here, but a, a, a sad story though, in poetic, in a poetic sense, right, Matt? Yeah, I agree, man. It's, it's. You know, when you think of that, these guys are getting hit, hit in the head for a living, you know, you're, they're bound to have some sort of issues, right? And it's just like, at least with him, you know, he didn't, like, kind of force it. You know, I don't know exactly when it became so bad. Like, it could have happened. Like, it could have been, like, you know, really bad, and he's he was still fighting, like, even yeah. in those last couple of fights. But the fact that he did walk away and didn't, you know, like, keep on doing it and just 
putting his health on the line even more, even further is kind of a good thing. But, you know, yeah, it, it's sad to see, man. It's sad to see. Hopefully it's something that just doesn't, you know, wreck his life, you know, in, in future years. But, you know, hopefully he just continues to, to recover as best as he can or best, you know, humanly possible at this point. You know, maybe there's some future recovery methods that come up, you know, with the magic of science that can, you know, help mitigate some things. But we'll see. Let's see his uh, age. Well, 1984. So he's a born born a year before me. So he's 34 right now. But um, but yeah, it's uh, I just hope he's healthy regardless. Um, but yeah, man, I, and I believe he said it was a grappling injury um, in training that actually happened, which is not uncommon. I mean, a lot of it's funny whether it's knees or even head issues. Like a lot of them happen um, during grappling. I know a lot of my con- I've got my own my bell rung and some of my worst concussions from grappling. You know and He's like, you know, I, oh, no. I, I took a straight up kick from uh, 6'7", 250 Neil Melanson, who was on his guard and did one of those things where, you know, where guys spring their hips up and they try to catch you with their feet with the triangle, you know? Yes. Where you're, you're kind of postured high. and they, they, He did that, but the, the just fucking Neil clumsy ass foot just eats me right in the face and I just go fuzzy like, ooh. And uh, my eyes went red and glazed over, and I, I thought I was like, "Oh, I'm fine to keep going." And he was like, "No, your eyes are glazed over. You're in concussion city mode. You're you're just sitting out the rest of the practice." And you oh, apologize, yeah. but it's just it's funny. Like you don't realize you're clashing heads in a scramble. Like there's actually there's just so much that can go wrong in those grappling instances. People don't think about. Anyways, that's my number five, T.J. Grant. <laughs> so you did hit me with one that I was not even thinking of. So I guess we're one for one there in that department. My man, my man. <laughs> All right, well, it's, right. you're up to bat uh, now, sir, for number four, Matt. What's your number four top five uh, lightweight winning streak? All right, man, number four. Again, uh, number four was one that I played with back and forth for a while, but, you know, it, it's my top five list, so I'm going to go with my, one of my all-time favorite guys and the incredible run that he had um, in the WEC, you know, just – just this dude, like with this long, flowing, luxurious hair, with the toothpick in his mouth, talking, of course, Mr. Benson Henderson. Yes. His WEC run, his WEC run before the loss to Anthony Pettis, and then of course you can, if you want to eliminate that Anthony Pettis loss and then tack on that UFC run after that, where he just beat all sorts of crazy names like Frankie Edgar, Clay Guida, Nate Diaz, Gilbert Melendez, uh, you know the Jim Millers, but particularly the the pre pre UFC run because that's where he had more finishes you know he had yeah. more finishes in the the Cerrone the Varner the Cerrone decision of course but then the Shane Roller TKO um the Anthony and Jaquani submission so those were some fights man where those WEC days it was like a few guys that you know really really stuck in my memory early on and of course Benson Henderson was one of course you know you have your uh, favorites you got your Cerrone um, got your Jamie Varners, those types of guys. But not only the look of Benson Henderson, but the fact that he was finishing so many fights then, like, I really fell in love with the dude. And I just love his swag and everything. And, of course, he's still just that cool dude, man. He's just, like, you know, loving life. Like, nothing seems to bother the guy. And I got that vibe. And that's what I really connected with early on, man. And that's why he he slides into my number four here on this list, just because, man, again, like, it's the second one in a row where it's, like, an epic ending to the, you know, like to the, to the streak, you know, in a way like with, with, uh, with Barboza, he had the epic highlight to kind of, yeah you know, before the loss and then in the loss, you know, 
Benson was on the receiving end of an epic highlight, but you know, it's just, I don't know. Maybe I have some affinity of something spectacular, either ending or right before the ending or being the ending of it. We'll, we'll see how the rest of my list plays out. Dude, that, that, that's a great, that's a great pick. Uh, I'm obviously Benson Henderson for any kind of lightweight, uh, accolades, he, you know, he's going to have a spot on there, but I'm glad that you went with the early Benson Henderson, you know, uh, for the reasons you said, uh, because again, it was really impressive the names, uh, especially the names at the time that he beat in the UFC. I believe it was uh, down here. I think it was a seven fight, yeah, seven fight winning streak in the UFC that earned him one title and three defenses from 2011 to 2013. But yeah. I believe they were all decisions. Yeah, all, decisions. all everyone. All decisions. Yeah. And Two splits in there too. So. So it's easy to forget about him, you know, even though it's, which sounds crazy. He's a champion. Um, and and was it you know one of the few guys to beat Frankie Edgar twice? Only him and Jose Aldo, I believe, did that. So I mean, uh, but yeah, I mean, you forget about that. But uh, yeah, exactly. When we most of us first came across Benson Henderson was in the WEC, and yeah, he was just finishing people. And that swagger, that 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 last fight, even that that ended it. Like you said, it was not just epic fashion, but in Benson Henderson fashion. I mean, we all remember yeah. that that first Cerrone fight where it seemed like he was getting choked out and submitted like five times in the fight. Right? You're like, how did he yes. survive that? And even though he was not losing because it wasn't that clear, it was a close fight, but, you know, he was getting bested whether he'd be outscrambled and Pettis would get his back or Pettis would land the Superman kick. Like, he would just bounce back, like, refusing to lose till the, the judges eventually had to give him that loss, you know. And uh, so prop, props to Benson, man. And uh, a guy probably, you know, that doesn't get a lot of love because of the decisions and, you know, he didn't do too well with his Bellator, uh, recent Bellator, uh, you know, inconsistencies. You forget about this early work. Yeah, doesn't it seem like this? It seems like he's just like on the end of like the most spectacular things. Like not only the Showtime kick, but like that, that like suplex that Michael Chandler hit him with. That was oh, like, oh yeah. I was like, are we watching WWE right now? Was that like that was a perfect like you know suplex? And he was just like he just ate it and just rolled over. He's like, like how are you alive right now? Like his flexibility in his hair make it like it, it more emphatic, right? Yeah, exactly. Madness, man. Madness. But yeah, early WEC Benson Anderson, man, got a special place in my heart for sure. Well, ours kind of connect here, okay? My number four kind of parlays with, 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 uh, with your number four because uh, Benson Henderson was the man to end this man's winning streak. And mm-hmm. this is a journey, man. This is – you could argue that you know he's probably not going to be on most guys' lists. But it's my top five winning lightweight winning streak, goddammit. And the great thing about winning streaks is you don't have you don't have to be a champion. That's why I said, you know, from champion to journeyman, give us your top five lightweight winning streaks is because some guys get on winning streaks who never become champion and, and deserve some love, but also some guys get on winning streaks in divisions that we just said for all the reasons that are so deep, so hard to get on winning streaks like, like the weight, lightweight division. And they had no goddamn business. Uh, they had no goddamn <laughs> business being there. They weren't the most a- athletic. They were just savages. And savage is something you know Rogan uses. I use a lot. I use a lot. But goddamn it, that is Jim fucking Miller. Jim mm. Miller's J- Jim Miller's seven fight winning streak from 2009 to 2011 with four finishes. That's my dog crying in the background. I made, I made him food like six hours ago. I've been trying to feed him and hand feed him. And he waits till I record my podcast to want to eat. And now he's just sitting looking at his bowl like a helpless prisoner. He whimpers. So if you hear whimpers, it's, uh, it's like it's, it's my dog reenacting like the, the pirates from the, uh, the, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, like begging the dog for a key. He's just, mm, just being sad. Right, anyways, 
back to where I was. Jim, <laughs> Jim Miller. Uh, yeah, seven fight winning streak, man. I, I, I got it right here. It uh, it, it came after a loss to Gray Maynard because he, he gets into the UFC. He beats uh, David Barron's mission rear naked choke. Um, after beating Bart Pawashevsky, a WEC alum there. Beats Pat Wyman by decision. Loses to Gray Maynard uh, by decision. But then he beats Matt Danzig by unanimous decision. Uh, beats Steve Lopez, uh, who had a cup of coffee in the UFC. He was a guy he got front, uh, front kick KO'd uh, by Justin Buckholz in a Superior Cage combat show. Uh, the same mm-hmm. year that... Uh, it, was like, it was like the same year that Anderson, Machida, and then Justin Buckholz all hit that front kick to the face KO like, right in the same year. A little trivia there that... Um, nice. I always refer to that, and the third one is, uh, is, is, is if you're looking for a trivia question, the third one that happened that year is Justin Buckles for Steve Lopez. Then he beats Dwayne Ludwig by Smith, which really caught my eye. I started paying, this was, I believe, this, this might have been in Texas, I think, UFC 108 going way back, Evans versus Silva, like, one of the most injury rec cards. Like, there was, like, the, the whole main card was all injury replacements or something. It was something ridiculous, but... He rocks Dwayne Ludwig on, on the feet, which is impressing. You know, Dwayne Ludwig, uh, obviously known for his striking back when Dwayne Ludwig was still making the cut to 155, which was crazy. You look at the size right. of Dwayne, especially now. Uh, no offense, I'm just saying. Uh, you know, and uh, and and then, then, yeah, and then Jim Jim Miller jumps on him, arm bars him, beats Mark Bosick after that by decision, T bow by decision after that, uh, knee bars young Charles Oliveira, who was you know storming on the scene, submitting guys like Darren Elk, and Jim Miller goes, sit down, son. Not yet, <laughs> not yet, uh, and then beats Kamal Shalarus, uh, one of the first guys to really, really beat him. Uh, and then Kamal kind of went on his way out, and we'll probably pop up in conversation later on. Uh, but beats him by TKO, and then he meets Benson Henderson, of course, who probably was a tough stylistic matchup. You look at Jim Miller's record against Southpaws uh, after this fight, not good, which sucks because he's facing a young Southpaw and Alex White. Don't get me started, but I bring that up because Jim Miller is just so goddamn tough for his own good. Doesn't say no to matchups, even though it's a bad matchup. Has fucking mono, is sick as shit, injured as well. Goes into this fight, not making an excuse. And just Benson Henderson is just beating on Jim Miller, making him pay for everything that he goes for. And uh, just really puts out his winning streak, you know, uh, there. But, uh, but man, uh, Jim Miller, this was, this was the closest he got to a lightweight run. And he's still somehow swinging it with these young cats now. Yeah, man. That's an awesome pick, man. It's an awesome pick. I thought you may have gone a different direction there as you were talking about Vincent Anderson in a streak because there's another one that you're kind of describing that mm-hmm. like sounded like it may have worked. And of course, I was thinking of Clay Guida, but you know, it hit me with the hit me with the opposite direction there. So I like it. <laughs> like, I like. Man. It. Oh man. Well, it's, how about uh, let's keep you leading for number three, and then maybe after number three, we'll take our break, and then we'll come back and close it out. Sound good, Matt? Sounds good, man. Sounds good. And so, again, with, with my third pick, it's one I've been going, like, uh, my whole list until I get to the top two, which obviously, you know, my next two picks, and it's not hard to do the math there, but <laughs> <laughs> I've had ones I've had ones where I was going back and forth with, and uh, I still think I'm made just, I don't know, and I, I don't know. Am I going to go with on, what's on the paper, or should I go the other way? Dan, Tom, you tell me. Should I go with what's on the paper, or should I go with my, my uh, secondary pick here for number three? Um, I always say go with your heart, and I'm also always devil's advocate, so I think devil's advocate would say go with your heart. Um, I say go with your heart. Uh, whichever one you think is going to be less likely, because you think of it this way. If, talk about the one you think is going to be less likely that I'm going to have, because then we can just double dive. And you can let me know if uh, if I hit on, on either. either Because maybe I'll hit on both. Who knows? But you, know, you don't, does that make sense? 
Yes. I got you, man. So I got you. The one sure. le- you think will be least likely to come up that way, it'll give you a chance to double dive on both. Okay. All right. So I'll go with the least like the road least likely traveled on this one. And um, you know, he's uh one half of the most notorious pairing yes. of fighters in the fight world today, and that is one Nate. Diaz. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Nate Diaz in this particular run I'm talking about is, of course, on the heels of the Ultimate Fighter and his next four wins after that Ultimate Fighter finale win. And just the legend of Nate Diaz and the Diaz brothers began to grow and fester into this unbelievable monster that still lives on to today. And, of course, on the heels of the Conor McGregor, you know, the pending trilogy that we have, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that yeah. we have between so, but that the early part of the uh, Nate Diaz career because it was submission, 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 and then of course he runs into Josh Neer and you get a split decision after that. But <laughs> dude, you come in just choking everybody out, tapping everybody out, and then you just get up and be like, "What? What mother? Yes, <laughs> you know, this, yes. <laughs> you gotta love it. You gotta love the Nate Diaz swag. You gotta love both Diaz brothers' swag, and." I mean, how can you not be a fan of these guys, man? They're, they're both two guys that just love to fight. You know, they don't take any BS from anybody. They'll slap you if they see you in the street, and they don't care. <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> Nate actually convinced Dana to let him slap him on camera. It's just all these kind of things. It's like, man, these guys, they're, they're on their own planet, man, and they can do whatever the hell they want in this game. And that's that's something that's not only rare, but it's something that should be celebrated at any opportunity. But you know, they'd also also with the with the fun stuff that is the Diaz, Nate Diaz and the Diaz brothers. There is a little bit of delusion along, amongst some Diaz hardcore faithful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is yes. what it is, man. As long as you can accept the fact that these guys aren't world beaters, but they're just fun as hell to watch. Anytime they step in there, you're you're all right. You're on the right side of the of the fence there with me. But that's who's my number three, um, who was not on the piece of paper, but again, he was the guy that I was going back and forth with it was like dan tom hipsterish or should i just go with more strict if you're thinking a top five and i decided to go with the dan tom side of things at the request of you sir dude i'm glad because this was nate diaz was uh probably one of two guys that that i I bumped off my top five that were right there you know so this actually worked out for me to double dive too um except i was gonna go with a different winning streak um which is crazy. That that one is the best one. That's actually the one you're referring to. If you include the tough fight, if you attack on his tough uh, fights, you know where he fought guys like you know Gray Maynard and and whatnot on there. It, it was actually like an eight fight winning streak, you know, on, on that run. True. And it includes, True. of course, one of Dan Tom's favorite cards. Uh, yeah, when he, when he he got the triangle and flipped the birds out of that Kurt Pellegrino triangle choke, which took place. Of course, if you're playing Protecting Neck Podcast Bingo, you cross off. UFC Fight Night 13 in Denver, Colorado, baby. I always bring up that card because there's always, you know, I brought it up the other day too because Anthony Johnson posted that pic of him just jacked and swole. And I'm just like, if I'm Tommy Spear or like one, a guy who got knocked out by Johnson, especially at welterweight, when people are like, who's this guy, Anthony Johnson, who knocked you out? I'm pulling up that picture. I'm showing them that yes. picture, and they'll be like, oh, I forgive you. If, if, if they should already forgive you and give you respect, but I'm just saying, you show that picture of Anthony Johnson swole, people are like, no questions, that's fine, I get it. You, I get it. 
It's incredible, man. Fucking incredible. But, but, any, but anyways, that was a great winning streak. But mine was actually going to be this. It was. It, it would have really been pushing the envelope, Matt. But it was only a three fight winning streak. Mm-hmm. But it earned Nate Diaz a title shot, and it was important because, like you said, it it kind of gets it kind of gets a. Uh, it kind of gets wobbly after a while. Like he, you know, he loses to to Guida and Stevenson and and Maynard, and people are figuring out that oh, you can kind of just wrestle him, install him against the cage. He's like, screw this. He goes up to you know welterweight, uh, beats Rory Markham at kind of 185 because Markham like missed weight at like 178, so they just ended up meeting at like 184 or something. Like it was kind of it was technically a middleweight fight. Um, I, I was at the fight. With, yeah. Uh, 118, the Marcus Davis fight, that was great. You know, he fights like, these welterweight fights, and then he gets wrestled, of course, by McDonald and Kim, and he's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. They convince him to go um, back down to lightweight, uh, and uh, he has a showing against Gomi where it's like, this is where Nate really comes into his own. Like He was always that gangster Nate, like you were talking about, of course, that we're, yeah. as we know him, but as far as his technique and believing in himself, and really, because it was always really inconsistent, whether it was at lightweight or welterweight, there, it was inconsistency was a lot of the problem. Style, sure, size, yes, but but a lot of it was just inconsistency was the common thread. And you know, there was this really awesome uh, Nate Diaz highlight on YouTube back in the day, and I forget what they used, but they used this this um, instrumental song that's they, they use in a lot of like, movies and highlights. But it was it was just beautifully done, and a lot of it's from these three fights because he fights Gomi and he's doing that hand wave where he has the lead hand. He's doing the windshield wiper. Like, look at the hand, yes. look at the hand, and pop, and he just snaps it forward like a jab. And then, you know, he just beats these guys so they want to grapple with him, and then he submits them. Then he has the Cerrone fight where he, he knocks the, in one, one failed swoop, he knocks the cowboy hat off of Cerrone and pushes him and gives him the finger all with the same hand within a split second. And Dana White's yes. getting in between him, and he's already in Cerrone's head, and he's the first guy that gives that kind of, that kind of shows that foil, if you're not Cerrone's friend, what it does. And he exactly. Comes, yeah, and that he, was huge. That was huge. And that, that was like that almost like I almost Cerrone almost made my list. And that, of course, was going to be the moment that ended that that streak that I wanted to talk about, because it was like, OK, here comes Diaz, who who broke the mold. He was like, I'm going to get in your head. And that's still something that Cerrone talks about to this day. He talked about it on Joe Rogan's podcast last week. Yeah. He was like, if you're not his friend, it will mess me up. You know, if you get if you talk some trash, it'll mess him up. So Yep. 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 And that was at UFC one forty one Lesnar versus Overeem, that monster of a card. And then he and then of course the big UFC on Fox three. This was only the third Fox showing, guys. He headlines against Jim Miller, who Jim Miller, you know, some key wins, earned them, and they never took it easy with guys like Jim Miller and Joe Lozon. Like they would get no. one win back on the track. Like here's Nate Diaz, here's Donald Cerrone. Like wow, thanks guys. <laughs> but that's yeah, exactly. also why guys like uh, Silva, you know, who didn't give credit to a lot of guys, was like, you know, of course you take the fight. You're Jim fucking Miller. Like that's a compliment coming from a guy like Joe Silva. But this is about Nate Diaz, and then he, of course, that Jim Miller win gets him a title shot. Uh, to Benson Henderson, and again, like you said, win, lose, or fail, everything looks much more dramatic on Benson Henderson, and remember that leg lock Nate Diaz, he goes in a full split, and just to get out of it, and Nate Diaz, eh, fuck this guy, and just gives him the yeah. finger on Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And people watching Love live, it. they didn't blur it out on Fox, they just blacked out the broadcast for a split second, so people that, like, hardcore is new, because it was on a delay, so you didn't see him, like... They, they block it out before his hand even comes up for the bird motion. But people that knew Nate Diaz knew exactly why that blackout occurred while you were watching oh. that fight live. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it's so funny. You know, middle fingers are like, you know, you can't, can't let the American public see those sort of things. Uh, uh, not, on, not on TV. 
No kidding. Censorship at its finest right there. No kidding. I'm sorry. I lost track. Was that your number three? That was my number three, sir. Wow. Okay. Oh, man, that was fun. My number three. Um, th- this one was was one where I, I figured it was probably going to be on my list because of just 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 being being classic, a, a classic name. But if I'm being honest, you know, Dan Tom was more of a tough noob as far as when I was kind of getting into the sport. So a lot of this guy's glory was going on and kind of ending around the time I was getting into it. But I always knew who he was and revered and would go back and watch his fights. And it's been a while since I went back and watched a lot of these, Matt. And, I, and most of this tape study, it's hard to do a lot of tape study for a thing like this because you're more just looking at records and going through things. Maybe you'll go back and revisit some fights here or there, right? But th- right, right. Takanora Gomi, I made it a point to go back and re- revisit a lot of his fights, man. And uh, it was a fun one. You know, Gomi has, has two winning streaks. Um, he has, you know, where he starts off his career, it's a 14-fight winning streak from 1998 to 2003. This one mainly took place in Shuto. Uh, most of them were, were uh, from the records that I was able to pull up, were about that, that lightweight limit, you know, which, which does kind of get sketchy. It goes from, like, 155 to 158. So the, the are going to kind of fluctuate when you look at these um, these Japanese cards, and, uh, and and there are some names in that first run. Um, as I pull it up now, sorry, oh, bear with me. Here. No, you're good. But, uh, you're good. Uh, too many, too many, uh, too many sure dog windows. Not enough topology windows there. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> lagging. It lags up right. when I scroll. People who know, people who know, know what I'm talking about. But you know. Yeah, I mean, you got guys like Kawajiri on there, Sakurai. Uh, oh, no, sorry. I'm looking at the second one. Heck, he, it jumped on me. You jumped on me, bastards. Tipping my hand too early. But, uh, Internet. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it was... It, 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 sorry. It, it was... Uh, it was... Uh, where's my notes? I have way too many notes here. Well, yeah, 14 <laughs> wins. And it could have been 15 wins, though, okay? Because... And uh, if you look at it, if you if you go back and look at his record in 2003, of course at the Yokohama Cultural Gymnasium, uh, big gymnasium, uh, <laughs> it, August 10th he feeds, he, he faces Joaquin Hellboy Hansen. When I went back to watch this, I forgot that Hellboy Hansen, of course, people probably know from his epic battles with Kawajiri, Aoki, and Alvarez, and like Dream. This was early uh, Hellboy Hansen, and Hellboy Hansen, you know, he, he, he did the Dutch kickboxing, but also the crazy flexible guard was really active from his back. And this was a really hotly contested fight, because if you look at it, Gomi was essentially ground and pounding him in rounds one and three. And by the way, shout to Hellboy Hansen, who came out to uh, Slayer, Angel of Death, for the metalheads that come out there. It's almost comical kind of a song <laughs> to come out to an MMA fight, because it's that very 80s butt rock where you have Tom Mariah going, ah! Ah, but anyways, it's the skinhead looking dude coming out. It just it looked all sorts of funny. But uh, <laughs> Hakeem Hansen for for all his uh, for all his awkwardness comes out and just fights his ass off. He's really active from the bottom. He takes Gomi's back in the second round and almost chokes him out. Uh, Gomi fights really valiantly, gets out of it. But most people, if you watch the fight and you were to score it under today's standards, it'd be a clear two rounds to one for Gomi. Um, but Joaquin Hansen is in tears when the decision is read, and he is the one, because Gomi's undefeated. It's not just a winning streak. I mean, he's undefeated at this point. He is the one that dethrones the undefeated Gomi, but, um, you know, the, the counter-argument, it was, it was scored under Japanese MMA rules where who was closest to, to, to finishing the fight, and Gomi never came close to landing a submission or never really came close to knocking Joaquin Hansen out. Well, Joaquin Hansen was going for submissions the whole time from top or bottom, so... 
So, you know, there's an argument there. Nevertheless, exactly two months later, uh, BJ Penn makes clear uh, where Joachim Hansen left off. BJ, that's where BJ Penn was at, at odds with, uh, at odds with uh, you know, uh, the UFC, and he set up the Rumble on the Rock, and, and Gomi would lose by rear naked choke there. But the, after that, this is, this is the winning streak, okay? From yes. 2004 to 2005, um, Gomi goes on this, this, this crazy streak. Uh, not, um, as far as names, and you look at it at the time, it was a 10-fight winning streak all in pride. Um, Jason Costa, you could take TKO by punches, but then he beats BJ Penn's uh, grappling teacher, original grappling teacher, I should say at least, Half Gracie, uh, who they, they split ways early in BJ's career, but about Purple Belt, I believe. But he, he is a crazy knee, like in the first six seconds of the fight. Like, yeah. he just he knows he knows the Gracie's going to take him down. He's just ready with his knee chamber. It's so brutal. Uh, beats Fabio. Uh, uh, Fabio Mello, Charles Crazy Horse Bennett, he Kimura's him at uh, Pride Bushido 5, and then this was a fun one, man. Pride Shockwave 2004, I mean, you had Crow Cop, Dan Henderson, Noguera versus Fedor was headlining this card. Uh, it's the card where Rio Chonin upset Anderson Silva with a crazy heel hook. I mean, there was just, it's, yes. go, go look up that card, it's an epic card. But this was Jen Pol- Jens Pulver's Pride debut, and he gets, it's just an epic battle. They're just going in a Pride first minute, 10 round first minute, and they're just going, I forget, like six minutes or so are in. And Jens Pulver's hitting him with clean left hands, but Gomi is putting in body work, whether he's putting right hooks and left hooks to the body, knees to the body, and you could see it just building up on Jens Pulver. And Gomi's not letting him. This is Gomi's got the big chin. And, and by the I'm sorry I'm ranting here. You feel feel free to no, jump no, in. Good. Feel free to jump in, Matt. But uh, one thing, if you ever watch old Pride footage, I don't know if you've ever caught this, Matt, or for for listeners, but it's great. I was reminded I was reminded of this when I was listening to PFL, listening to Bob, Boss Root and commentate. But uh, yeah, Boss Rutten and Morrow commentating, and uh, <laughs> it's great how kind of open they were about about steroid accusations. You hear all the the horror stories, especially from Joe Rogan's podcast. He repeats it now, like like verbatim, right into our lexicon. That oh, they didn't they didn't drug test there for people that don't that didn't already know. Now they know. But it's great because if you go back and listen, Boss Rutten, like if you're watching like Shogun's fights, he's like, yeah, but Shogun is from. Uh, you got to be careful. These guys from Shootbox or Brazilian Top Team, they're. Uh, Let's just say their conditioning programs are very yes, special. Yes. They put on a lot of like, boss. Just say they're on steroids. Like you were, you were literally doing the worst job at beating around the bush <laughs> of calling these guys out for steroids. And in this fight, like Boss and Mara were like, ah, oh, Gomi looks like he packed on muscle since his last fight, huh? Like, yes, I love. I love it. They try to imply it so hard. It's just like, we're going to tap dance around this as much as we can and not actually ever say it explicitly. Yes. So funny. Uh, love God. it, man. I yeah. love it. But yeah, I love that. I love that pick, man, because that was like eight finishes in that run, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Yep. And yep. he's just like, yeah, yeah, it was eight, eight finish, eight finishes, two decisions. And uh, yeah, that's where yeah. Yep. Fireball Kid became the Fireball Kid, I believe. So yeah, yeah. yeah like, like you're saying, like some of those events, man, that like that Shockwave card amazing like if you guys haven't seen that if you have fight pass go go check it out like amazing card yeah 100 percent. well i uh, i think i just i think i just 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 shot my wad to again reference a proverbial joe rogan commentary there on that beat let's take a break and uh when we come back we're gonna break down the rest of our top five lightweight winning streaks right here on the protect your neck podcast
back right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast for the top five lightweight winning streaks in MMA. And as I count us back in, we got our little break and we were talking about our dogs and how they act during podcasts. And I was just saying, hey, my dog, my dog stopped, my dog stopped whining about food. And if you can hear now in the background... He know he's so smart. He knows what I'm talking about him, and now he's like, "Oh, I gotta get back. Oh, I'm back on. I'm back on stage." And he's 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 he's, he's assumed his position, and he is uh, he's begging. So I apologize to the listeners if you hear moans in the background. I am not enslaving animals. I promise. As <laughs> he is, he's right there. <laughs> Don't call Peter. Yeah, please, please. All right. Um, I believe we left off on number two. Now I'm, I'm taking over the steering wheel. Yeah. So I'll go. I'll go first. Get it. Let's I, get it, man. I don't know if this is the one you were referring to as far as on paper. You went with your heart, uh, but there was there was a winning streak that you, you, you were referring to maybe on paper. Maybe this is it. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just on your list, but further down. Let me know. Um, my number two is a current winning streak. It's an active one, and mm-hmm. uh, it's one that I, I respect a lot. Um, and uh, I respect it so much that even though it's not over, and it's, it, it, I mean, it, it could be with the, with his next fight, you never know uh, for sure. But uh, I gotta have El Kukui, Tony Ferguson, and his ten <laughs> fight winning streak uh, that holds seven finishes. It got him one interim title and multiple title shots. If you wanna pull your hair out and do that math of the fight cancellations and what should have been. Oh my God! Oh my God! Is he on your list, I- Matt? You were correct. That was the one I was thinking of. And holy hell, don't get me on those missing fights, man, that I was <laughs> at one of with Khabib and, yeah. Yeah. That mad. Uh, yeah, and exactly. Not not just a, a respectable winning streak, but of course, as, as people, especially on this podcast, know, um, I picked him to beat Khabib all of, what was it, four times? I've lost track at this point. Uh, but yeah. 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 <laughs> Something like that. Maybe we'll see it, maybe we won't, but either way, Tony Ferguson, he can lose his next fight, and I'm still comfortable with him being on the list, and even this high. I, I think, again, it, it's, 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 it's a, it is a uh, quote-unquote modern-era uh, winning streak again, so you know you don't even have to kind of do the math. Well, well, it was these guys, they weren't that good. Well, maybe they were pretty good for the time, and you start having to do that algebraic, weird kind of math. No, a lot of these you can do a pretty direct math, you know? Um, uh, Kevin Lee, who's only gotten better since then. Rafael dos Anjos, who you know you could you, you maybe maybe you could have said oh maybe he was on his way out and that was his last run. But Rafael dos Anjos has proven different in a different weight class. Lando Venata, who you know that one might not have aged as well, but you look at Tony Ferguson's fight style and you just say well he kind of welcomed that madness, didn't he? But he still pulled it off, which makes oh, God it yes all the more <laughs> impressive with, when you look at the riskiness of his fighting style. The Edson Barbosa fight, of course, Josh Thompson. Uh, Gleason Tebow, what, what is he, he? Him and Jim Miller, I believe, still got to be up there for the most winningest lightweights. Uh, and Cerrone, of course. But uh, Trujillo, Danny Castillo, I know that was closely contested, uh, controversial, depending on who you ask. Uh, Katsunori Kakuno, Mike Rio, and again that that one lone that one lone fight. I mean, it, this could have been a thirteen fight or fourteen fight winning streak, um, because he is, is, of course, the tough. Uh, house and previous was all that welterweight or higher for Tony, but mm-hmm. that one UFC loss, the one lightweight loss was against Michael Johnson. Very respectable. It was a Tony Ferguson who was still trying to find himself, and Tony Ferguson broke his forearm blocking a kick yeah. in the first round. Uh, yeah. You know, so I mean, shit. That's crazy. Yeah, man. El Kakui, indeed, man. He's such a beast. He is such a beast, and the fact that this guy gets sidelined by tripping over a wire. <laughs> 
like after all the things yeah. that like you know kept them out of the cage and all these Khabib fight cancellations and everything it's just oh my god man you know he he's a beast man like you know I was one of those guys that like I followed him you know all throughout tough everything like that and then of course that Michael Johnson loss and I was like man this guy you know he starts putting together that win streak and I was actually at that fight um against uh Barbosa and seeing him work in person, not only just seeing him work, but seeing him work in person at the Cosmo in that tiny arena. It's like that intimate arena, like where you really get to see and hear everything up close. It's like, man, that's so it's something so special. And I was just like, yeah, this guy is something crazy. He's something he's on a different level now. Like like you're saying, like he's trying to find himself. That fight for me was the one where I was like, OK, yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy to go in there and just, you know, do do the do the things that he did to Edson Barboza and like kind of almost like tease him by like staying so close in his face, like kind of almost like borderline salsa dancing in front of him <laughs> and yep. all that stuff. It's yep. just, just madness. Yeah. He's I, a beast. Yeah. I love Tony Ferguson. And even though uh, I rubbed him the wrong way, cause he misunderstood one of my questions in an interview, I don't take that stuff personal. I still love and support the guy. Uh, he gets a lot of, even despite this winning streak, he still gets a lot of criticism, a lot of disrespect from odds makers. And uh, I, I still stand by supporting this dude. And uh, on that note, I'm going to crack one open for El Kikui right now. <laughs> for you, Tony. Nice. All right, Matt. What's, uh, what is your number two, sir? I'm excited for this one. All right. My number two might be the only curveball left on my list. Oh. If you can call it a curveball. All right. So, so, but number two for me is the answer. Mr. Frankie Edgar. Ah, nice. Very nice. Frank Yeager slides into my number two. And if I could get my freaking web browser to uh, react to my mouse clicking there, I can get back to the proper page I was trying to get to. There we go. All right, man. Frankie, answer Edgar, is my number two. And the particular run I'm talking about, of course, he's got some losses sprinkled in throughout his career. But the sure. particular particular um, portion of his uh, winning streaks that I'm looking at is the one that came after the first loss to Gray Maynard. Mm. So somewhat middle, I guess it's still early career-ish, early to mid-career Frankie Edgar, um, lightweight there before he won the uh, before he won the lightweight title. So everything leading up to that point. The reason being because that first loss to um, Gray Maynard would eventually set up the rematch, yes. which would eventually set up the trilogy, which is still one of the best trilogies, if not the best trilogy in all of MMA. Hey, real, qu- real quick, what card did that take place on that first loss to Graham Maynard? Uh, that was a fight night card with uh, Florian and Lozon in uh, Colorado. UFC fight night 13, baby. Boom, double punch. You guys got it. See it? Oh, I set him up. Oh. And Matt knocked it down. Sorry. There you go. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry to interrupt. That's a great card. Great card. See, card. It's a great fight night card, and I'm not kidding. There's so, so much attached yeah. to it. Go ahead. A crazy. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. But that, and not only like, not only was that Gray Maynard trilogy a part of that streak, I mean, you, you can't say the streak ended because a draw doesn't end a winning streak, right? You yeah. still don't have a loss. No, no. Yeah. By the way, I didn't, I, I, I cancel things out for catch weights. Uh, I would cancel out a winning streak, but draws do not cancel out a winning streak. Correct. Go ahead. Boom. So there you go. So there you go. And, um, of course, you know, you beat BJ Penn twice in a row. That's something special. That like counts you know, for, like, win. four wins right there. <laughs> yeah, Especially at that time. Win. At that time. Yeah, to win, not only take the strap off of him, but then retain it in the rematch right yeah. after that, too. So it's like, it's just like, man, Frankie Edgar is really, like, you know, in his groove right now. Like, you really felt that he was the guy. And, of course, you do that to BJ Penn. 
You're like, yeah, you're the guy right then. And you do it in the open air arena out there in Abu Dhabi, <laughs> you know, Dude, which yeah. is so rare to have open air events at the, at, in the UFC. I think that was like the only one, if I'm not mistaken. Was it not? Uh, well, they would do. They, they did a, a lower covered Abu Dhabi card like years later, where it was like Roy Nelson versus Noguera, and it was just at a weird time, and they didn't advertise it. And you're like, oh, Noguera died in the main event. Cool. That's um, right. That's remember that they just, like, that stiffening KO like right away first round. Like Roy Nelson comes out, and like the first couple punches <laughs> he threw, it felt like like oh Jesus. But yeah, you're right. That was it was a first of its kind, and that was a weird card. Like if I did like a ESPN thirty for thirty. Like that was yeah. such a weird card because you had the you had Matt Hughes versus Henzo Gracie on there, right? A, a BJ Penn, by the way, beat beat both those guys, but that was just kind of a weird fight, and both those guys' careers kind of went in a weird way after that. Like Matt Hughes, that was he had his last of his winning streaks. Speaking of winning streaks, he, that was his last hurrah amongst his last winning streak. Then you had that Anderson Silva fight where that was the first of the really <laughs> weird Anderson Silva performances where he started losing faith with the public and Dana White. Remember that? And then started kind of yeah. going that route. So that was just kind of a weird card. Like a lot of like narratives were shifted. Sorry, I didn't mean to side tangent you, Matt. But no, it's, it's so true though. It's like just the fact that like that's on that that piece that I have behind me there. That's what that Anderson Silva painting is yeah. from. That's that Damian Maya fight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There it is. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that was definitely a, a moment in history that I think everybody's going to remember, whether you loved it or hated it. Just the fact that a guy was clowning his opponent so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. But. But getting back to Frankie, man, the only the other reason I had to have Frankie on my list, and especially at number two, is because, as you know, and as well as people that listen to my podcast know, my biggest pet peeve in this entire game of mixed martial arts is weight cutting. And Frankie Edgar yes. is the guy that woke up, rolled out of bed, and say, hey, I weigh 155 pounds. Ha <laughs> ha, you cut weight. Screw you. I'm going to still kick your ass. Yes. And that's what I loved about Frankie so much. Yes. So that's why I had to have him at my list, and I had to have him in there somewhere high. I was late. I was torn with the idea of two and three, but number two is where he where he falls for the official record here. So, dude, yeah, that's a great, great, great pick. Uh, more than deserved. Yeah, I, I I had him written down here as an honorable mention. Um, you know, so, yeah, between two thousand eight, two thousand ten, yeah, five fights, one title shot, one title defense. Uh, well, no, 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 not one title defense. More title defense is that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get you know, Jesus, yeah. Wait, was it one? Yeah, what, 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 one defense? No, two defenses defense. there. Two defenses. Yeah, because you, you, you have to keeps it, you know, in the gray draw and then defend. Oh yeah, it against, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that is so. title defense. That's right. We, that's right. I had this argument. We had the top five title defenses, and I actually had this on my list. Duh, Dan. <laughs> counts for a defense. That's right. It's a draw, but it counts for a defense. No, right. it, don't lose it. I think you defend it, right? Yep, that's right. You, do, you you keep the belt at the end. That counts as a defense. So you defended the wall, baby. You might have been bruised up afterwards, but you defended the fucking wall. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, bored, I'm bored with that with that argument for sure. God damn. Yeah, Frankie Edgar touches so many people's timelines too. When you look at his another another guy, um, and I'll, I'll bring him back up for for. Um, for an honorable mention uh, later, actually, because uh, he crosses paths with with another guy. But man, that that was an awesome, awesome number two. He he parlays kind of into my number one, Matt. So should I just should I just roll us right into that? Uh, Let's hear it. Let's hear it. All right. Um, if this, if it's your number one, stop me and we'll we'll double dive into it. But um, but yeah, man, my number one obviously is tied to Frankie Edgar. Uh, it's probably the fighter that Frankie Edgar's kind of be most tied to, or at least. Uh, he, I would want to be most tied to if I were Frankie Edgar, and that, of course, is the guy who he beat three times. That is BJ Penn. 
<laughs> I know I'm supposed to boycott B.J. Penn from my list, but again, as <laughs> all as, right. But as you guys can tell from the like the announcement that I kind of gave at the top of the podcast, we're going to be doing truncated versions of the, these lists now at MMA Junkie. If I'm leaving out a legend like B.J. Penn out of certain appropriate lists, it, then I'm really going to invite. I know it's subjective, but then I'm I'm just inviting the criticism at that point, right? So um, if it's appropriate, you will see B.J. Penn on my list, and I it was hard not to have him not on the list and not at not at number one. It's an unorthodox winning streak because he takes like multiple times off of it, right, to go fight at welterweight. Middleweight, yes. heavyweight, uh, so yes. they're, they're, Japan, K1, Rumble on the Rock, uh, winning a welterweight title. Okay, so he does some things in between there. Um, even though he didn't do what Connor did, he actually was in talks to box De La Hoya. That was one of the many calls when Dana White talks about. I had to, It was so hard to keep this guy at lightweight because I had calls every day, literally every week, I had a different call from BJ or his camp about fights that he wanted at middleweight. He even uh, wanted fights at heavyweight. Uh, like, you know, called out Tim Sylvia at one point. Like, just stupid things. Like, and, and at one point, he had Dela, Dana White had De La Hoya Golden Boy talking to him because they were actually in talks to set up a boxing match. I mean, things that fighters talked about setting up their organizations, whether it was Nick Diaz setting up war MMA or whatever that failed or... Or these other guys doing it, um, like even boxers. Like BJ was one of the first to do that, you know. And part of this lightweight winning streak, by the way, which which went from 2002 to 2009 is what I'm talking about. Um, it was uh, what was it? One title, of course, uh, one lightweight title, three defenses, and seven finishes, eight fights total uh, that expanded. But again, you know, he he went and started when he got into a. Uh, these arguments with Dana White and disbanded from the UFC after, uh, after, after uh, one of the, I believe it was the third failed time we talked about at the top of the show, right, Matt? The UFC mm-hmm. tried and failed three times to have a lightweight division. Um, you know, it, 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 they had to go through so much hurdles. And uh, I read an article in Junkie about the history of the lightweight division. Please go look it up, so I don't have to, you know, launch into it here. But about the third time they tried, they had a tournament, and it ended with, I believe, uh, you know. BJ Penn beat Matt Sarah by unanimous decision in that tournament, and then rematch Kao Uno, who he knocked out in like you know six seconds or whatever in their first fight, mm-hmm. but they fought to a draw, um, so there was no champion. And he actually set up his own promotion, Rumble on the Rock, which did well. It actually housed guys yeah. like Gilbert El Nino Melendez and other guys that would that we'll, you know we'll probably talk about uh, in the honorable mention list. And not only when most guys do that, by the way, that I reference, they'll usually set up a thing and they'll bring in like a, a can, right? You know, like if they'll they'll, they'll be like, okay, I'm gonna fight back in Russia, and you'll, you'll see they'll bring in like some Russian can to fight the Russian guy. No, BJ went and got the best guy because again, Gomi, like we, we talked about earlier, he he lost in quotation marks to Joaquin Hansen, but many people considered Gomi undefeated. In fact, the rankings, lightweight rankings, still had Gomi as number one, and he was still highly ranked on pound for pound. And Gomi said, "Bring that guy. I want." the best guy and he chokes him right. out i mean it was this, this crazy this crazy winning streak you know he, uh sorry I, as i pull him up uh, what are your thoughts here before i before i just take over with it matt it was bj on your list what 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 what, what are your thoughts on this uh this weird but important winning streak <laughs> of course bj was was you know in on my uh honorable list there but the fact that you know i, I when i was looking at it i was looking at strictly like you know, the string of wins together. And I didn't mm. even like, I didn't even think about it. Like, wait, all these other fights were at different weight classes. So you, you actually kind of tipped your hand a little bit earlier in the episode here or on the podcast about 
you know, who was going to be your number one. But then I was like, I was trying to put the wheels together. I was like, who's he referring to? And then it's like, okay, all right, okay, yeah. DJ Penny. And it's, it's amazing because the, most, the, the thing that I remember the most about BJ was the fact that he did so many th- different things at different weights. You know, and the fact and lost in that shuffle was the fact that he didn't lose that lightweight for so long. And it just, you know, obviously just clicked with me when you mentioned it and you bring that up and highlight that. That's freaking amazing. But the thing that I love about BJ was that, like Frankie in a way, he was just like, I don't care what you lay. Are you the best? Do you want to fight? Let's fight. Yep. And it was so crazy because, like, if you see BJ Penn now, I have seen BJ Penn twice or three times in the past year. I'm like, how did you, how did you fight at, you fought at middleweight? Like, you fought, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, what is happening? Like, he's such a small dude now. And it's like, it's amazing to think, like, earlier in his career, like, he fought these bigger dudes. He fought Lyoto Machida. Like, like what? <laughs> and it's crazy when you look at some of those things that he did in those fights. Like, it was really You know, I hate that term, like, uh, wasted talent. But I think of a uh, – you seen the movie Bronx Tale, Matt? With uh, Robert yes. De Niro, he directed it, and he was in it's it. Been, it's been a few years, but I have seen it. The main, the mobster, Sonny, he played by Charles Chaz Palminteri. Uh, I think, what does he say? I think his line's like, you know what the saddest thing in life is? Wasted talent. Nothing sadder than wasted talent. Seeing somebody what could have been. <laughs> and uh, BJ Penn holds a spot in history, and I, of course I love him, obviously. But at the same time, he, he does kind of fit that of the, you know, t- if we did a top five what could have been fighters. Um, because, you know, he was just fighting out of his weight class where he shouldn't have been. But he's doing, like... He hits one of the most technical to this day. Go back and watch at the very last 30 seconds of his fight with Henzo Gracie in K1 uh, in Japan, I believe. And he hits his mount on Henzo at middleweight. It's just, um, it's just amazing. It shows his flexibility, his technique, and why he got so much respect. And he still you know, gives respect to Henzo to this day and calls Henzo master. But it was crazy. Like He beat kind of like – he beat – I believe it was Paul Crichton who was cornered by Matt Matt Serra in his like first UFC fight. Then later he beats Matt Serra, who's cornered by Henzo Gracie. And then later he beats Henzo Gracie after he beats Rodrigo yes. Gracie at middleweight. But Rodrigo, by the way, he didn't amount to much, but at the time was 8-0 and and undefeated. And BJ was scared to face these guys. He admits it. He's like, man, I was scared going to fight these guys up at middleweight. Of course, you know, Machida at heavyweight. People never talk about it, but he submitted Dwayne Ludwig at welterweight. He did have another welterweight wing besides just Matt Hughes, for what it's worth. But, yeah, he, he, he finally got convinced to come back down to avenge his only lightweight loss because he had that epic fight with Jens Pulver, who I'm sure we'll talk about in the honorable mentions. But, uh, you know, he avenges that loss at the tough finale. And uh, Joe Stevenson, Sean Shirk, just putting guys away in this crazy fashion, goes up to face George St. Pierre to do what, 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 Connor tried, what Connor did end up doing years later, right, successfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, there's like probably one of BJ's worst performances as far as like the prep, the way he looked coming. <laughs> he talked so much shit and then just came in like out of shape, as we've seen before, welterweight, got smashed by the most violent GSP, by the way. Oh, scary yeah. GSP in that fight. Uh, but then he, but here's what here's where the respect comes in though. He comes right back six months later and you know revamps, gets with the Marinoviches, and we see this crazy version of BJ Penn against Kenny Florian and Diego Sanchez. Some of the not just best lightweight performances, but some of the best performances in mixed martial arts. And remember Joe Rogan at the end of that Diego Sanchez fight going, "This guy's just on a different universe, not even a different planet. He's on a different universe." Yeah. Like everybody, I mean, yeah. even still to this day, the guys like Anderson Silva, who just reiterated, he said it on an aerial show in one of Anderson's first, like in English interviews back in the day, but he reiterated again that he thinks BJ Penn is the best pound for pound fighter, you know, uh, ever. And you don't have to agree with him, that's fine. Anderson's a little kooky and eccentric, of course, but there's a reason why the best of the best 
point to BJ, even though the resumes will point to guys like John Jones deservedly and George St. Pierre deservedly. And I was talking about this on MMA Junkie Radio, even with Tyron Woodley, who I defend for his choices. I was actually coming to Tyron's defense, but I was also bringing up the point is there's, we have to recognize that there's a difference. That I defend Tyron for these things, but he's also it's not a bad category to be, be in with John Jones and George St. Pierre. Believe me, that's where I associate Tyron Woodley with his body work and ascension that he's putting together. But there's a difference between those guys who... It's their preparation. They just want to fight who they want to fight. They're obsessed with their preparation. Even if it's guys like John Jones versus Chael Sonnen, where you know the UFC 151, where he drops, he he turns down a fight to a guy that he probably could have beat and eventually did beat later on. But that's that's why I think a lot of us, like guys like me, will, will love these guys like uh, the Dan Hendersons, the Anderson Silvas, the Randy Couture's, the BJ Pens, and their records are spotty. And there's fights where like, what were you doing? Why did you take that? But that's also why right. we love them because they did fucking put it on the line. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm tangenting here, Matt. But, but yeah, it's uh, he he gets he, he has to get it on uh, get get on my list there for number one. Absolutely, man. I love it. I love it, man. Got to have BJ. Like like you said, man. You can't even not entertain this list without at least thinking of BJ, right? For one reason or another. Yeah, and and, and there's a, there, 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 there's another guy that we should definitely give credit to as far as you know the lightweight history. But while I'm putting up pulling up the uh, listener top five, uh, Matt, uh, why don't you share with me and the audience the if we didn't already talk about it, that is the pick that almost made your list. That was probably the, the next up to bat. Your your top honorable mention, if you will. Oh, um, wait on uh, so. The I I thought I've said it already. Uh, Tony Ferguson was the guy that I switched out with uh, Nate Diaz. Oh, I'm sorry. Did, wait, did you even say your number one? Uh, my bad. I'm, I'm no, jumping no, no. the gun. No, yeah, I was I was gonna get to my number one. Oh, my bad. You know, say your number one. I'm I'm sorry. Say your number one. Actually, my bad. I'm jumping the gun. I'm thinking it's it's done. Oh, good. Say, oh, good. Save, save that. Your number one, sir. Please, please, drum roll. Uh, drum roll. My number one. You had a current winning streak. I have a current winning streak, and my number one falls right here. When you go to all these websites and you look at the win-loss records on these guys, you know, wins are usually colored in green, losses are usually in red. Well, this particular gentleman has nothing but green on his record to this day. And this is not number one bullshit, but he is number one. <laughs> Khabib, the eagle. Nermika Madoff is number one on my list. He hasn't lost. There's no blemishes. How can you not have him on a, on a list for winning streaks? I know it sounds crazy. It may be a little bit too straightforward for some people. And, yeah, I may have gone all chalk with this pick for number one. But, hey, I, I mean, I, I got to have Khabib on here. Not only for the fact that he's undefeated still, he's on the heels of potentially one of the biggest fights. Or on the – not on the heels, but on the – I don't know. What's the precursor to that analogy? <laughs> no, uh, no, no. It's late. It's late. But he's he's heading up to – Potentially one of the biggest fights in UFC history against Conor McGregor here very soon. So you got to have this guy on your list. You know he represents a, a whole country. He's got the, he's got the team on his back, man. You know, and he's he fights out of AK with Daniel Cormier in that incredible gym, and he is an absolute mauler on the ground. Just mauls guys, and of course you know this. And he's exciting. He's exciting. He's on the ground smashing people, punching them in the face. Saying Dana White, I need this title shot. You know Scary. I deserve this. Scary. In between rounds, he's done. He's not. He doesn't care what his corner's telling him. He's just talking to Dana White. This is a walk in the park for me. I don't care if it's Michael Johnson on the other side of the cage. I'm gonna maul him when, when he says get back to action. 
Doesn't matter. It is what it is. You know, he's he's got some incredible names. Some people want to, you know, discredit his record and all that stuff. Man, you got Gleason Tebow, you got Abel Trujillo, you got RDA, Michael Johnson, Barbosa, Ali Aquinta, and even though that last fight was a whole bunch of shenanigans on Friday morning. He still went out there, you know, he made played around with Ali Quinta a little bit, tried to, you know, as he said, try to channel his inner Muhammad Ali a little <laughs> bit. But Khabib, man, as as of right now, maybe maybe if Connor goes out there and does what he does did to Eddie Alvarez, if that happens, then maybe I would re rethink this list and where he falls on my list. But that hasn't happened yet. I don't think that will happen when that fight actually goes down. So Got to have Khabib on my list, man. At number one, dude. That's uh, that's it's hard to deny. Let me let me first state that uh, I got Khabib pulled up here. He's on my my honorable mentions, and I was gonna bring him up because I feel like uh, he was one of the guys where, like, uh, for example, in my truncated version of this, I'm gonna bring up Khabib Nurmagomedov because I gotta at least explain why I didn't have him in my top five list because he deserves to be on there um, mm-hmm. for all the reasons you said. They're very, they're undeniable, um, but. I guess here's why why I, I did it because I feel like instead of not so much playing contrarian to your pick because again it's a very deserved pick let me just say that off the back but you know Dan Tommy he's always gotta oh, I know. Be, he's got to be contrarian and uh, it, it, the hard part with Khabib is it, you're right a it's undeniable but but b any of the criticisms that I or anybody can bring to it it's hard because it's really not Khabib's fault I mean. The injuries, if you want to be a dick, like, yeah, that's his fault. But it's like, I don't think Khabib was waking up going, I want to get injured today and fucking stop my stop my ascension and stop my, my money earning. I don't think that was his plan. Uh, and right, then right. even that, like, you know, he, he, he would take fights. Uh, you know, he took the Daryl Horcher fight. He took the uh, Ally Quinta fight, which was like, what was it, five opponents? It was, uh, what was the total tally that just for that card that he was offered? So it, <laughs> it's not his fault. He's fighting whoever he can. He's he just send me location, right? I mean, yes. it, it is not. So let me just let me just preface so I don't sound like a dick. Let me preface it with that. But again, I was uh, tip of the hand here for the other project. I was doing a lot of research for uh, old Khabib there, and uh, it's crazy because it ten, it's 10 UFC wins, but the other 16 is what really stings me, man, because there's a lot mm-hmm. of really talented people that no one knows about in Russia. Mm-hmm. Khabib didn't fight any of those guys. Those first 16 guys, only, only four of them are – okay, put it this way. Only four of them don't have losing records. Two of them have exactly 500 records when they fight him, and only mm-hmm. two of the 16 have actually winning records. Um, mm. A lot of these guys are like 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, like janitor, 0-2 guys. Like This is like within like a fight or two from him getting to the UFC. That being said, there's two sides to being bred. He was bred for combat because he's a beast, but the other side to being bred, which isn't a bad thing. In fact, maybe you could argue... Mixed martial arts should do more of what they did with Khabib. There's a counter-argument to this, right? Where you sure. should build the guys up confidence. Because look what happened when they did unleash the beast. There's no lies in the UFC lightweight division no matter what time you came into it, pretty much. It was always uh, tough competition for the time. Top of the heap. And Khabib mm-hmm. got in there. He uh, Granted, Kamal Shalarus may have been toward, toward his end. We mentioned him with the Jim Miller win. But, yeah. you know, he's one of the first guys to take down uh, Shalarus. Jim Miller got one takedown on him. But other than that, no one took down Shalarus. He was a really uh, accoladed Iranian wrestler. Um, Tebow, 
you can argue that he didn't win. I don't think he won that fight, but it's still, it was Gleason right. Tebow. Yeah. It, was the most, it was a really <laughs> was big assignment, yeah, especially with what I just said, those stats that I just said. That's a giant jump in. I mean, Khabib is Khabib now, but you look at it back then, that's a huge jump that he made. Like, he probably should have lost that fight, and it would have still not... Um, it would have just we would have just marked it off as a prospect loss. Even if, he would still probably be a badass today if he if, if if the decision would have gone that way. So again, regardless of what you think of the decision, much respect to that. Tiago Tavares, that was a brutal fight. Granted, you know, again, if you want to play uh, advocate, Tavares was was a juiced up fifty five er. Let's be honest, and he did get caught for juice. So that's why I'm saying yeah, that. Got, he got caught and still got knocked out. Still got knocked <laughs> out. But by the way, Khabib has the most. Uh, I became a fan of Khabib from that fight just because the shirt that he wore. He wore that's the fight where he wore. If Jiu Jitsu was easy, it'd be called Sambo, and the Brazilian yes. crowd was just booing him. <laughs> um, yes, Abel Trujillo. Uh, who at the time, you know, that, that that win doesn't age well, but at the time, a- Abel was a beast, right? He was a killer, as his nickname was. Uh, Pat Healy, that's an underrated win. He doesn't get he doesn't get credit for this win, but that was, uh, I mean, Pat Healy's a beast, a big dude, and like that, that Matt Hughes like slam that he picks up Pat Healy and runs across the cage. Uh, Dos Anjos, and then yes, you know, Horcher, um, Johnson, who doesn't get enough credit, and granted, was a short notice op- opponent. And then, of course, you can't really argue with Barbosa or Iaquinta. Iaquinta. Short notice, yes, but just as dangerous for Khabib. It wasn't like uh, Iaquinta was coming out of the couch or anything. So, again, yeah. th- there's points and counterpoints for, for Khabib's, but the one thing you can't deny, like you said, Matt, I mean, 26-0 and in this division for that long, it doesn't matter. That's just that's just tough to do to show up 26 times. You're sick, you're sick, you're injured some of those times, and for you sure. won anyways. For sure. And, and like I said, like I kind of mentioned it, you know, in my – my positives for uh, for Khabib there is like we're doing this list at the perfect time because there is a very high possibility that Conor McGregor goes out there and does the Eddie Alvarez to him. Yeah, you know, we, yeah. But but we it, it hadn't happened yet, it hasn't happened yet. We're not there yet. So if we were doing this list, you know, two months from now, and that happens, then Khabib's probably in my honorable mentions. <laughs> so. You know, like I said, that hadn't happened yet. You know, all the other stuff is valid. You know, all those early fights are kind of questionable. You know, it, it, it's something that we see in boxing all the time, right? All these boxing guys, they take, like, these borderline cans to build up their record. You know, or just straight-up cans to build up their record. You know, <laughs> however you want to put it. But uh, they build up the record, build up the record, and then they start to get that stage. Or they get they use that plat- to get to a bigger platform. Then they get a win, and they get to a bigger platform, and yada, 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 and then they build that to a pay-per-view slot. That's how they do it in boxing, you know? It doesn't really happen that way in MMA unless if you're, like, a regional guy that just can't get that break into the UFC for whatever reason. Like, maybe you're out there just getting decisions on guys. You're not getting finishes. It, it can happen to those kind of guys, but that's still not saying that they're not in, in tough fights, you know? Um, there's not really like warm-up fights in in UFC or in in high-level MMA. It's just not something that exists. So it's kind of kind of one of those things. But it's it's still a valid criticism, and all all your criticisms criticisms that you mentioned for Khabib are very valid. But um, like I said, man, it, it's perfect timing for this list because, like I said, that big potential against Connor, man. A lot of people always seem to question Connor, man, and this is the first time. In the history of, I think Connor's career, that I'm 100% on board with what Connor is going to do to Khabib, and I think it may be on that borderline Eddie Alvarez type performance, but we'll see. Dude. We'll see, <laughs> dude. Yeah, it, it it is a perfect time. But just just kind of while we're on it, what do you think? Do you think 
More guys, um, more fighters, promotions, etc. The people that are responsible for matchmaking. Do you think you'd want to see more of these kind of buildups? And we'd see. And if we did, would we see more Khabib's and more more of those kind of records like boxing? Or where do you stand on that for MMA? I don't know, man. It's kind of tough. It's kind of tough to to do that because <sighs> pros and cons, right? Versus versus boxing, like boxing. Okay, yeah, you're gonna get a lot of head trauma regardless in boxing, right? You know, you're you're gonna get punched in the head repeatedly that's the nature of the sport right so you're gonna get concussions like your your head's gonna get scrambled but if you're a can in boxing like you can be a boxing can and not necessarily not get knocked out you know you can have like those five and six round uh decision fights and still be on your feet three round or three minute rounds whatever they you know however they do it you know in the the smaller ranks when when you're not you know big pay-per-view promotions and everything like that i forget it's late (laughs) <laughs> things are going together. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but but in MMA, like if you put a can in there with a guy that's way more skilled, like you're talking like head kick violent knockouts that can happen. Yes. You know, you're talking yes. like yeah. brutal ends that can happen in MMA. And I don't think that that's something that should necessarily be a part of the sport. So I want to see evenly matched guys and let the best of the best rise to the top organically that way. I don't want to see these overmatched guys getting matched in there, you know, with – with young killers and it's just like we've seen some of those things happen in the past man it's like one particular example and i hate to use this guy as, as an example because he's you know a friend of mine we went to high school together and it was like you know you absolutely just ran into a bus all of a person that was just on a different level and that's cody williams when he fucked uh uh jesus christ i'm drawing a blank on his name right now holy hell it's um, late folks it's late give him a break yeah, give me Jesus Christ, man. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? Fought Cody Garbrandt. Cody whooped him in like record space timing. Yeah. Holy... What is his name? Oh my gosh, I'm I'm looking it up. I was look gonna up, try look to it up, look it up. <laughs> I'm trying to get there. <laughs> All your listeners are like, I know who it is. I'm yelling, screaming at the phone. Yeah, I, I've got the answer right here. I also sympathize got... for that guy because I, I feel like I'm, I'm that guy a lot of times. When I'm listening to podcasts. <laughs> just yeah, just brain scrambled right now, dude. It's it's kind of kind of sad. Holy hell, Thomas Almeida. Jesus. Yeah, Christ. there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. It's like Thomas Cody, Almeida was starching too. everybody, starching everybody, and my buddy Cody Williams, who fought in Legacy, um, who was putting together a nice nice group of wins there. And, you know, he was knocking on the door, potentially getting looked at the U- UFC, and then Thomas Almeida shows up. Like, oh, this freakishly talented Brazilian cat that just destroys everybody right now. And, you know, you run into that kind of buzzsaw and, he, you know, he got finished in that fight. But, you know, it just is what it is, man. You like sometimes in MMA, like even when you think you have a good, good matchup on paper, the more talented guy is still more likely to go out there and just have a violent ending. And that's what I don't want to see if you start doing the like these quote-unquote, can matchups to build records. I'm with you 100%. People don't think about that aspect of it, too, um, the other side of it, and I'm glad you mentioned that. And, and again, but I think for that to happen, I think we have to, as fans, promotions, etc., need to start lo- looking at these fights and valuing these. Uh, you know, Alex, manager Alex Davis talks about this all the time, but, you know, for all its problems and for all the things that may seem outdated, I like that about Japanese MMA is that they respected guys off of losses a lot more than pretty much the rest of the world does in the sport, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I really would like to see that more. I would like to see guys, you know, treated with that respect of a loss. You know, you get you get better fights, and you're not having to worry about building this guy up or this guy having a perfect record. It's, you know, it's an everybody win. The promotion gets great fights, 
and the fighters, even if they lose or this or that, they at least at least hold a standing so where they can still earn money and earn and, and have all that respect and stuff that comes with it. So, anyways, Appreciate side that. tangent there. Um, real quick, just want to get the listeners uh, uh, knocked off. Uh, Geo's uh, Geo's and Mapix wanted us to make sure we shouted Tony Ferguson. Um, of course, John John Rico. Uh, I'm not sure if it's one to five or not, but I think he agrees with you here for number one. He has Khabib's current 26 fight win streak. Uh, then he has Tony Ferguson's current 10 fight win streak. Gomi's 10 fight win streak in Pride uh, after ooh, after his loss to Penn. So uh, yeah, he he's with me on there no matter what order it is because we both had Gomi at three. Shouts John John. Uh, Cerrone's <laughs> eight fight win streak uh, in between both RDA fights. That's 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 mm-hmm. well, that's the one. That's the one I had here for my honorable mentions for Donald. Same as well. Same as well. Nice. Let me let me, let me knock him off the list there. As I'm, as I'm talking about these. And then here's the one that was on my honorable mentions. I'm sure it was on yours. Justin Gaethje's 18 fight win streak before Eddie, right? Of course, he was. He was the one I was inching to put on number five to slide in there, like ever so. But yeah, definitely honorable mention for sure. Violence. You know what fucked this up though? You know it actually. I'm not. I don't want to be uh, a. It's actually again. It was actually technically five fights and five finishes, but it was it was his one. Was, you know, had Foster, Palomino, Michael Johnson had his most memorable ones in there. Because if you look, yeah. Melvin Gillard fucked him up. Melvin Gillard came in uh, uh, overweight and it was a catchweight. So if you look, uh, he's Justin Gaethje is one of the guys that got got victimized kind of uh, by, by 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 someone missing weight. So it was yeah. actually five fights was his best span when you look at it. That, those five uh, that cross over into the UFC, but but uh, still a great pick. Absolutely, man. Uh, can I, how can you not be on? How can you not be on board with Justin Gaethje at some point? Yep. <laughs> uh, Kate Trombley's on par with us. I'm too tired to come up with five, but jumping into the way back machine, Eddie Alvarez had a solid seven fight winning streak between 2009 and 2011. Uh, Gaethje streak stolen from Rico. Cerrone had three different win streaks of four wins in a row or more, which is true. Uh, in his career, which is pretty tough to do. That is, that is true. And the uh, the Alvarez one was interrupted by catchweights all over the place. Holy crap! His if you go through Eddie Alvarez's record, I mean, a lot of his like he has middleweights and welterweight fights early on in his career. And then, mm-hmm. you know, in Bellator, I believe, uh, was it Josh Neer or one of those gentlemen? Someone came in on a catchweight. And uh, kind of messed up, messed with one of his win streaks. But yeah, oh nine and eleven ish is uh, his best one, though. I agree. Did you See, at- I had him on my honorable mention, but I had him. I didn't have him for that streak. I had him for the UFC streak, the three fight UFC streak, just because it was just murderers. Yeah, it was. Murderers. Gilbert Melendez, Anthony Pettis, RDA, and that was off of his first win or first after after his debut loss to Cerrone. He bounced back and beat three murderers. Matt. To quote Joe Rogan, murderers. <laughs> and I think it has a soft spot in my heart for the RDA wings. That's just like the epic Joey Diaz, you know, a pizza guy from Jersey, like losing your yeah. shit watching that fight. But Matt, we should know this. I, I believe I had you on for top five title changeovers. And I know one of us I, I have to have had, I, had that one yeah. on our list, right? Yes, I, I believe I had that one on there because, you know, I was covering that card. Um, yeah, you were. That yep. weekend in Vegas. And uh, that also capped off an incredible parlay I hit in Vegas as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, we get plus three fifty odds on freaking uh, something like around that the range for Alvarez or something ridiculous. It was yeah, in, insane, insane. Yep. And I had I had two fights on that card that was that were very close, questionable decisions that ended up going my way on the parlay to keep it together. So I was extremely ecstatic. 
Nice. <laughs> when, the, when he got that win. All right. Uh, last one here from the listeners. This is going to be a good one, and I'm going to I'm going to have to double dip and, and and jump into this one. I, I assume you'll have some words on Wanley Tran's first uh, entry. Uh, I was reading from number one. Number one. I'm interested to why he has this on number one because this this actually could have been a number one for Dan Tom's list, which I'll explain. But he has Kenny Florian six straight all finishes, uh, UFC Fight Night nine to UFC Fight Night ninety one, Machinima, Alvin Robinson, Din Thomas, Joe Lozon, Roger Huerta, and Joe Stevenson. Do you have, you have uh, Kenny Florian on your honorable mentions at all, uh, Matt? You know, I was looking at Kenny's stuff, man. It, it's kind of hard not to include him, but I didn't have him on honorable mentions. Like, he was one of the guys that were just, you know, obviously he was one of the names I think of. I was like, all right, I got to go back and check his record for sure. Yeah, how, how can you not think of Ken Flo? But right. I, didn't, I didn't put him down. I did not put him down at, at the end of the day. I, uh, I don't blame you for that. Mine was more of a personal thing. That's why I'm curious why Wanley has him on his list, much less uh, so high. Because, um, again, I was a tough noob, so I was just watching, you know, the, <laughs> like, Shamrocks and Ortiz's, and, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, Shamrock f- fighting in WWF, or fighting, Jesus, listen to me, wrestling in WWF when I was uh, watching that as a as a teenager back in the 90s, I probably wouldn't have been watching, uh, you know, for, for Griffin and Bonner, because remember, Griffin and Bonner was headlined by Shamrock versus Franklin. Uh, Rich Franklin, you know, so I, I was more of that, you know, kind of real casual, right? I didn't, I didn't, and even though Kenny Florin was on that, that first season of Tough, I didn't, I didn't know the guy uh, too well. And I was watching uh, Tim Sylvia, I believe it was Tim Sylvia versus uh, Randy Couture, I want to say. And uh, my ass should, should be pulling it up now. But, um, yeah, I believe it was like Tim Sylvia with Randy Couture's in the UFC 60s, right? Like 67 or 68 or some shit. And it was back when they had the swing bouts. And I don't know if they still call it the swing bout behind the scenes. They have one main card bout that's that they assign the swing bout, ladies and gentlemen, usually in the middle uh, for pay-per-view time to kind of uh, swing if they need it. And that, so, 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 so they actually had Kenny Florian uh, fought Alvin Robinson, as Wanley Tran said. And in that fight, he, uh, they, they, that fight actually rolled out after the main event. So Tim Sylvia faces, uh, uh, beats, uh, uh, or, t- you know, Tim Sylvia gets beaten by Randy Couture, I want to say. I want to pull it up now. Right. UFC 73, I'm sorry. Pulling up that card. Was it some, maybe it wasn't even Silva. No, it was Silva Marquardt. Wow, I'm thinking the wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, Silva Marquardt. <laughs> it was after that, and they, they actually played that fight. They actually, Kenny Florin walks out after, after them, uh, and then... Apparently, Chris Lytle and Jason Gilliam, too, I'm looking at it, which I don't remember, but it, it lists it here. But uh, it was funny. And I'm like, oh, well, we were surprised. Like, whoa, there's more fights. And I'm watching with um, – uh, shout out to my buddy, one of my old drummers, uh, Papa Zulo, Mike Zulo, and uh, his parents, which sadly are both non- no longer with us. I was very close with. We would watch pay-per-views at their house. And uh, his mom, I had a course called Mama Zulo. She, they're the, the rowdy New Jersey folk, right? From Jersey, <laughs> Bergen County. And uh, – we were watching, and Alvin Robinson is just this, like, really, like, you know, just chiseled dude, really well built. And you have Kenny Florian, you know, this, you know, kind of scrawny looking Boston guy, right? And, uh, and I was like, and, 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 you know, my friend's mom's like, who you got? I'm like, I'm going to go with this Kenny Florian guy here. I like something about his job. She's like, she's like, he's the muscly guy. This guy's going to get fucking wrecked. And she was just like, I remember just saying that, you know, a couple beers in deep. And she's just like, oh, this guy's getting fucking wrecked. And it was funny. And then you see Kenny Florian hit a judo throw, you know, on a head and arm toss on a, Alvin Robinson, take his back, choke him out. And that's when, you know, Kenny Florian gets that epic sound bite where he goes, 
who wants to fight, see fights finished at 155? I finish fights! <laughs> and he had, you know, they had that, that sound clip. And it was great. And I'm like, I love this guy. And he, this, this guy got me excited for the 155-pound division. I believe that week, my buddy Steve Cruz, my bass player for the band who, who signed up Extreme Couture before me, got into mixed martial arts before me. He's like, dude, you like, if you like this lightweight division, you got a, a, you don't know what BJ Penn is? Like, BJ Penn? He's like, dude. This guy's a 5'9 uh, Asian dude. He's like from Hawaii. And I'm like, I'm, I'm a 5'9 Asian dude from Hawaii. What? And then, of course, so, anyways, the point is, I actually knew Kenny Florian before I knew BJ Penn, which is probably really surprising trivia to a lot of people listening. And uh, mm-hmm. I would eventually sign a bit extreme couture, and I would, you know, joking, trying to lose weight. We'd joke about our weight with our friends. And I remember catching a submission in class, and I'd be like, who wants to see fights finish at 178? Like, just <laughs> fucking around, like, <laughs> quoting Kenny Florian. And uh, and I, I was a big Kenny Florian fan through this 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 run, man, you know, that Roger Huerta coming out to uh, Little Wayne. Uh, what was that song? It was one of the only Little Wayne songs that I really liked. Uh, you got so many diamonds. And he comes out in the uh-huh. one more round. Kenny Florian comes out. On the Bruce Lee one more round get up it was epic man that was the Lesnar that was a uh, versus Huerta that Lesnar uh, that Lesnar card George St. Pierre fought uh, Fitch uh, UFC 87 I don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's more yeah, yeah. it's more of a nostalgic pick clearly a nostalgic uh, attachment for me where I'll, I'll, I'll co-sign with Wanley for that one but yeah Kenny Floyd yeah. get some love there Ken Flo can't forget Ken Flo's elbows too man he had freaking razor blades on his elbows that's right I swear he did that's right and he, he finished Joe Stevenson or Joe Lozon from the mount from those again UFC Fight Night 13. How UFC Fight Night 13 pops up so much on this goddamn <laughs> list of lightweights, right? Isn't it? Isn't it insane how much that list pops up? God damn. All right, number two, Kid Yamamoto. None of us mentioned that. I, I missed him, so I'm mm. glad Wanley mentioned eight straight all finishes K1 World Max 2004 World Open to K1. Heroes five again. A lot of these earlier guys, right? That are bantamweights or featherweights now. They were lightweights back in the day because those those divisions weren't popular. And, and um, Yamamoto is one of those guys, man. Um, so glad he had him. He, he co-signs with you. Frankie Edgar, five straight, one finish. Franca, oh. former champ. Shirk, Veach, BJ times two. Uh, number four, he has RDA, who deserves to be on this list. Champion, five straight, three finishes. High, Bendo, Nate Diaz, Pettis, Cerrone. Uh, Ultimate Fight Night 42 to UFC on Fox 17. I appreciate those details. You know I do, Wanley. And number five, I, I didn't see this one on anybody's list, man. I missed him. I don't know if he, he made your honorable mentions. Raging Ally Quinta. They were interrupted, but they were five straight, four finishes. Dan Pearson, Lausanne. Short was a controversial one in Maz Vidal. And then knocked out Sanchez. UFC Fight Night 50 to UFC Fight Night 108. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that's good. There's there's still one name on my honorable mention list that I have not heard in this entire this entire podcast. Who is it? Who is not it? a sing, like not even in reference of other fights. Whoa, has his name come up yet? All right, lay it on me. Lay it on me. Dustin Poirier. Yes, four fight. Hell of a four fight win streak right that's now. Right. Looking like an absolute killer right now. The win against Jim Miller, of course, the no contest against Eddie, which was, you know, was what it was. Right. But then you get back from that, Anthony Pettis, Justin Gaethje, just takes the aura away from Justin Gaethje. Like, no, you don't, you don't have this anymore. You don't have your aura. I, I'm taking it now. I'm taking that Justin Gaethje aura away. I'm making you change your fight style now. Does that to him, and then, of course, gets the Eddie Alvarez again and puts the stamp on it. 
So that was my other honorable mention. That's my only other honorable mention that has not been mentioned yet at any point in this entire podcast. Dude, no, that, that's an awesome one, man. I have Dustin Poirier written down here. But uh, I also have his other ones written down because he had, he had seven to start. They weren't against big names um, before he made the drop down to 145. Uh, but then even he has another four-fight winning streak when he first got the lightweight even. And that one is not as big of names or impressive as the ones you just mentioned. But what I like about that is there are three finishes in that run. And two of those finishes he gave he gave to lightweights who have never been finished before like he or in their career at all like Yancy Medeiros and other guys like he stopped guys who weren't ever stopped before in their career and guys who were lightweights yeah. and guys who were used to fight at welterweight or higher like Medeiros and everyone was like oh how is he going to do he just got knocked out by McGregor at 45 he's going to go up to lightweight and he just emphatically announces his arrival um i mean the, the, yeah there's a lot to point to with Dustin Poirier yeah, i'm glad you mentioned him for sure for sure man uh Louisiana boy can't can't not mention Louis fellow Louisiana guy. Dude, I gotta give some love to uh to uh to to, to Eves Edwards is someone who hasn't mentioned it was seven fights from 03 to 05 um that Eves that, that, that Eves did. Uh you know, Mishima, again a guy came up on Kenny Florian and Takanora Gomi's list. He beat him in Pride. Uh beat Hermes Franca at some Euphoria car. I don't know where that was, but again Hermes Franca guy beat Nate Diaz for a WEC title, former champion. Uh, Naoki Kotani, who granted, you know, a lot of everybody beat Kotani, but Kotani is one of those Japanese names. Josh Thompson, Hermes Franca again, but this was at UFC 47, of course. Uh, Deshaun mm-hmm. Johnson, Nick Aguilar lost to Kaut- Tatsuya Kawajiri and Shuto, but his lightweight winning streak was still alive as far as UFC if we're still continuing to go back, which includes Rich Clemente, Eddie Ruiz, uh, guys like that. So, I mean, Eves, I, I, everyone knows I'm a big Eves Edwards fan, so I, I have to give uh, Eves Edwards a shout uh, on this list. And any other honorable sure. mentions that we haven't mentioned yet, Matt? Not on my list, man. Everybody else has been mentioned, whether it was on either our, our list or on your uh, on your listeners' list. So my list is complete. Awesome, now. awesome. I just got a couple, just a quick cleanup. Gray Maynard, seven-fight UFC streak. Streak, of course, uh, there was only one finish, but got him one title shot, one draw. Uh, in there, uh, gotta mention Gray. Uh, Roger Huerta had, had a pretty good one too. You know, six fights, uh, six fights from 04 to 07, I believe. Uh, I want to say, or at least 06 to 07 uh, in the UFC, and then 04 to 07 non-UFC. Um, Tyson Griffin had a really weird win streak. It was crazy. Some of them were at 145. Like he was the only guy to beat Uriah Faber back in the day for a while. But if you mm-hmm. go look at like Tyson Griffin's uh, record, which I, I should have you know pulled up. He's like, you know, he beats guys like Dos Anjos, Guida, Marcus Aurelio, who's like from the Pride days with Gomi and whatnot. Uh, you know, he beats a lot of these guys. You know, he had a, like the six-fight winning streak, which included Faber before he got into the UFC. He loses that epic fight to Frankie Edgar that we just mentioned, right, in a split decision. And then he also loses a decision that maybe could have gone his way to Sean Shirk. But if you look at it, it almost could have been like this crazy like 12 or 14-fight winning streak for Tyson Griffin, who's... Uh, finally started making his way back uh, into fighting recently. So I just wanted to yeah. mention him. And, of course, one of the godfathers of the lightweight division, Jens Pulver. Um, it's seven-fight win streak if you include his fights, which were technically considered bantamweight, because it's weird. Like, Pulver, he has fights that were, like, considered at lightweight uh, at 170 in the UFC when they were calling lightweight 170. 
And then he moves down to 155, and the UFC was calling it bantamweight, I believe. I want to say when he fought Dennis <laughs> Hallman or something. So it's like it's considered a bantamweight fight, but it's still at 155. And then he actually, the first UFC fight at 155, where they're calling it lightweight, and it's at 155, happens when he faces Call Uno. So it gets really sticky for Jens Pulver there. Um, but he's a godfather of the lightweight division. I wouldn't credit, I wouldn't discredit him for anybody putting him on the list or crediting crediting him with all seven that took place um, in that run back in the day. Of course, Anthony Pettis, his five fights, uh, two, one title, uh, 2011 to 2014. That, that that clears my my list of honorable mentions. Boom, Anthony Pettis, a damn solid one, man. Holy shit, Showtime. Yeah, yeah. Showtime Pettis, man. Wow, that was crazy, man. That was a. It was a, it was a, longer than I thought to go through that, but I, I think I, I don't think we left a stone unturned. This was this was fun. Uh, you got, you can hit us up uh, at our twitters uh, at Mr M Wellsar at Dan Tom and Mayor at the PYM podcast for anything we missed, and of course for future episodes. Matt, before we get out of here, thank you. Of course, is there anything that you would like to plug uh, before we go though? Um, of course, just you know, the Slipping Dead podcast. Find us on YouTube. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. We're trying to grow those numbers. We got a race to 1K subscribers going right now, so we're trying to get there. Um, and of course, you know, follow us on Twitter as well at Slipping Dead Podcast. And you know, we have podcasts that come out every week, um, usually on Sundays or early on Mondays, and uh, anywhere from two to four fighters, trainers, media members, whoever's available to us that week. We try to get new people. Try to get bring back familiar faces as well. It's just a fun time every single week. I enjoy doing it and I love it. It is a fun time. Uh, it's a podcast I listen to and uh, you know I, I promote. I, t- I tell my listeners to listen to. But also uh, something I stumbled onto. You know we were talking about uh, you guys. You know the, the video. You guys are just doing doing a great job over there as far as. Uh, as, as far as that portion, I know a lot. You know, I'm, I'm definitely slacking on that end, but uh, but but you know, so people should check that out too. Uh, that version of the podcast, in case you're just you know used to listening to it on iTunes or subscribing it through through those those those, those portals. Uh, real quick, by the way, just just before people kill me, I, I did spot two Gilbert uh, Melendez. Sorry, I don't know how I meant, didn't mention him. Uh, seven fights, oh nine oh twelve, Strike Force one title. Uh, with multiple defenses, four defenses, four title defenses. And then it could have been more. A lot of people scored that split decision for him against Benson Henderson, and that would have uh, really changed his uh, shakeup where we look at Gilbert Melendez in the standings as far as all-time lightweight greats with everything that that guy's accomplished. You know, the fact that you mentioned him, like, just goes to show, like, that's the biggest, like, testament to how stacked the lightweight division has been in the history of MMA that we didn't mention. It's just so crazy. It is insane, man. And another G, a really a really forgotten super hipster one, but George Sotteropoulos had a had a quiet little run back in the day of seven fights in the UFC. In the yes, UFC. He yes, he did. Uh, and it was 07-010. If you remember, it was, a, it was the real Demetrius Johnson era in a sense where BJ was ruling the division at that time, and he was... When you we see this now, right? When we have a champion that's so far ahead of everybody that it doesn't take much motion in the lower ranks for us to be like, oh, maybe this is the guy. Oh, of course. <laughs> we get we get excited because there's such a disparity of a gap. And George Sotteropoulos, like he he took out Joe Stevenson at the time and Joe Lozon, and we're like, oh, is this the next guy? And you know, it never panned out for him. That was the extent of it. But I wanted to give 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 George Sots, the Australian, some shots there. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man, we're going to get out of here. Uh, again, you can hit us up uh, uh, at the PYM Podcast, Instagram, Facebook, 
uh, Twitter. Of course, you know, give us some uh, five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes when you're going over to hit the score subscribe on Slip and Dip. Uh, pop over and give us a rating, a five-star rating and review uh, at the same time if you haven't already. Of course, our Amazon click-through, which you can find at MixedMartialAnalyst.com. <laughs> still under construction, still slipping a bit there. But as you can see, uh, uh, I'm changing the front page. Now the front page is just podcast. You can click there uh, for your uh, auto players. You don't have to go to the podcast tab, which is still there. And that, we'll see if it's still there for long. But, yeah, go there for the click-throughs for both on it and Amazon. doesn't cost you a penny. Kick a little bit back to the podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week for some UFC 228 breakdown action. Check out MMAJunkie.com for the new features. And, of course, I'll be back to uh, full main card written breakdowns for, for you fiends and hardcores that were missing that uh, for UFC Lincoln. I know I only, I only gave you the main card for that one, kind of a new change in format. We'll be going back to full main card written breakdowns. So expect that this week at MMAJunkie.com. Thanks again, Matt. And until next time, everybody... Protect Yannick.